You're listening to the Screening in Kingston podcast. For more on Screening in Kingston, more episodes, info about our movie clubs, and a lot more fun movie content, visit screeninginkingston.com. Welcome to this very special episode of Screening in Kingston. Taylor, we're celebrating our four-year anniversary and that we've reached now over 200 episodes. Woo-hoo. How are you feeling? Feeling good. It's a, it's a chonky episode I think we have in store. but It's, it's a big one. It's a big <laughs> yeah. anniversary, so why not go big or go home, right? Yeah, and I mean, we've been promoting it. We've been talking about it. What you're going to hear today are small segments. I, I've been saying 10 to 15 minutes. They're all over 15 minutes. They're like 20. Um, they're like 20 <laughs> minutes each because we love having guests. We have a series of guests that are coming on the show Um, There's so many that will be joining us. I'm going to quickly just go through them. So uh, for the fan vote side, because there were a couple topics that we had fans vote for and a couple that we didn't. Um, So for the fan vote side, we've got joining us, of course, Tyler Vance, who's going to be talking about Star Trek. We've got Nicole, our TIFF correspondent, who has uh, the best music biopics talk to us about which is a lot of fun we've got matt coming back from reel out Uh, he's talking about teen flicks that's a really awesome discussion we mainly talk about heathers just to warn everyone that's the movie that gets spoilers it's all about heathers uh and then katie is coming on friend of show friend of taylor for the best book adaptation those were the four topics that you the fans voted on but it's not that's not the end of it We've got a great segment from producer Austin coming up. So you'll see Tyler again. Um, You'll hear from Tyler a second time to host whatever that is. Um, And we've got Andrew coming back on the show to talk about Marvel. Um, We hear from uh, Ben, who we haven't heard from on the show since like the first year. And really special treat, we finally hear from Josh the Inquisitor. Um, So those are some of the people that you're going to hear from throughout this episode. It's a lot of fun. And Taylor, our fans are really looking forward to this. We're going to review Fast Five. (laughs) All I can do is laugh because if you don't laugh, you cry. Yeah, like, what are we doing? (laughs) Like, As soon as I was watching this movie, I was like, what am I doing? And I want to tell a story before we get into the review of me watching this movie. Taylor gave you a little bit of it, but I'll tell you more. But, but... Before we do that, Taylor, you have a fun announcement to make. And uh, I'm just going to step aside here and say, floor is yours, Taylor. Yeah. So, big episode deserves some big news. The Screening in Kingston podcast radio show is growing because I am pregnant with a baby boy. Well, congratulate! Wow. Okay, gender reveal. I, I, I've got, I've got music for that. Okay. It is a baby, and it, it is a boy. And I know listeners are probably like panicking, being like, "Oh no, four years, two hundred episodes, new baby." The show's ending. No, the show's not ending. I will be on official mat leave through my employer, but I'm hoping only to take a little break from the show. So Mm -hmm. 
as long as the baby settles <laughs> quickly. Yeah, she says hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> you can hear uh, you can hear in the new voice. Yeah. The hope. As, <laughs> as long as we kind of settle into a, a schedule. But we're gonna pre-record some episodes mm-hmm. in December and we might have some guest hosts yeah. on the first yeah. bit. But yeah, I no one not, fear. <laughs> I'm not going away, only yeah. going away for a little while because I'm mm-hmm. making sure my baby lives. Exactly. And <laughs> yeah. And I think that that's, it's, it, we might have to play it by year a little bit, which we're prepared to do. And yeah, like you're right, Taylor, we're going to do some pre-records. We'll have some guest hosts. You'll take the breaks that you need to. And then, so, you know, whenever you're ready to, to come back, uh, maybe you'll be doing a lot more streaming for a bit, but you'll, you know, you'll, you'll maybe, do your thing. And maybe finally um, I'll fold and get Disney plus. If anyone wants to, I should have put it on my baby registry. If anyone mm, wants to be generous yes, and pay for our Disney Plus subscription, it will be going towards both the baby and the TV, <laughs> the radio show. And the radio show. Yes, yes. So, yes, listeners. Uh, I mean, I, I'm sure I know our fans, Taylor, and they're going to write in to congratulate you. But I'm sure I speak on behalf of our fans as well and saying congratulations to you and Dan. Like, that's really exciting. I think our fan, I know our fans are going to write in, so I don't have to worry too much about them. I'm sure they're going to be all over this. But uh, yeah, that's that's a really great way to uh, to kick off this episode, I think. Some really I great was gonna, news. We were going to share it sooner, but I thought, let's let's save it for yeah. the big, the big yeah, episode. Yeah, it makes sense. And I'm really glad you immediately calmed the nerves of some of our fans because you know that some of them <laughs> as you were saying that were ready to type in and like right into the episode be like, what do you what's mean? happening though um <laughs> but yes like i think you know you're gonna be exploring motherhood it's gonna be new we'll play it by year but you've told me off air that you're committed to still doing the show oh make yeah it work um i don't foresee it being a problem in the long term it'll just be short term might need some leave some time, but hey, we've got tons. Today is a great example. We have tons of people who can come on and help us create content. We can pre-record some cool stuff. I think we're going to be, we're going to be fine. It'll be A-OK. And then we have like a little built-in mascot now. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Built-in mascot. That's perfect. Um, So yeah, I think that's a great way to kick off this episode. And what a great way to like segue from your amazing news into fast five like what what a way what synergy it is to segue into our movie review of this and i like i was telling you this taylor before we uh were recording today that i forgot i had a really busy weekend and i had a really busy day yesterday i realized late last night as i was going to bed that i had not watched fast five and so I've been waking up kind of early recently. So I was up around 6 a.m. and I watched it for for the two and a half hours, however long this movie is. And I just watched it early in the morning thinking, what am I doing here? At least <laughs> it's fresh. Oh, it's fresh in your mind. It's I don't know how Fast Five can't be fresh in your mind. Um, it's interesting because it's it was slightly even less cheesy than I thought it was going to oh, be. But I think I this thought... kicks off the rest of the series. I thought the cheese factor was like up to 110. So here's here's my question, Mike. Mm-hmm. Did the fans so just as a reminder, um when we talked about this 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 episode, we thought one of the good um segments would be for our listeners to vote on uh, a movie or a series that neither of us have seen and that we would watch it kind of in the middle 
and, you know, share our thoughts. So that's, and people immediately wrote in and overwhelmingly fast five. <laughs> it wasn't even close. We didn't even have to put a vote out. People we didn't even do in. a vote. We didn't even do a vote. And I'm <laughs> so I'm watching this movie and I'm thinking, did people pick this one? Because it's the worst of the series? Or did they pick it because it's the best? And honestly, I don't, I because I don't know anything about this franchise, It, I was like, why, why this one? Is it because it's smack dab in the middle? So, like number 10's coming out in 2023? <laughs> like what yeah. was the rationale for this I, one? <laughs> I did a little bit of, I did a bit of research. So Fast and the Furious or Fast 7 is considered the best. Yes. And so I'm like, Paul why Walker didn't we get to watch one. that one? So the reason why I think is because Fast Five is considered the first time the movie becomes what it is now. Five, oh, six, seven, okay. eight, nine are all different than one, two, three, four. It's like Gen so, Two. Exactly, and it's the first big. T- it's a t- big team up of people from the the previous four movies because Vin Diesel and Paul Walker are not in all of them. They kind really? of like split off to be, yeah, it's like Paul Walker's in two and Vin Diesel's in two and they're like in different parts of the world. Like there's Tokyo Drift is one of them. Yeah. And then like Too Fast, Too Furious. Like from what I understand, this is the only thing I knew about Fast and the Furious going into it was the first movie is about Paul Walker plays an agent who's going deep undercover to like a racing. I didn't even thing. know he was a cop. I didn't he even was. know. Yeah, he yeah. used to be. He's not in this movie. But he used no, to be. No. <laughs> and he's sent to infiltrate and basically try to arrest Vin Diesel and somehow becomes sympathetic towards him and doesn't. Yeah, at some point. That's all I knew. Falls in love with his Falls sister. Falls in love with him, yeah. <laughs> or with his sister. I say falls in love with him. Or both. Well, it, just, it seemed like the love was flowing. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, like- <laughs> I mean, that there was lots of love in this movie. There's, I guess the reason, Taylor, why I was sitting here saying this isn't as cheesy as I thought, because I know in a future movie, The Rock punches a torpedo. And I think that okay. that, to me, takes to a new level. Well, how cheesy was The Rock's dialogue? Uh, like, yeah, so I actually I made some notes, and do you want do you want to hear the three uh, most cheesiest lines yes. that made me have to stop and give laugh it to me? That? Okay, uh, the Rock says the Rock doesn't say all these things. This is one the Rock says. So someone asks the Rock, uh, "I've got," it says, "I've got good news and bad news," and he says, "You know, I like my dessert first. That's and then one. later in that scene, he goes, give me the vegetables. Give me the vegetables. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> Next one. Uh, I think this is Tyrese who says this. He says, this went. This just went from Mission Impossible to Mission Insanity, which is great because impossible is I am and insanity is I N. Doesn't really sound the same. Does not really spell the same. Doesn't get the synergy of it. But that's why the lines in there. It's so hilarious. Next one. Uh, so Paul Walker is describing the Rock. This guy's Old Testament. Yep. Blood, vengeance, blood and vengeance, <laughs> and bullets. I think he says blood, vengeance, and bullets. I'm like, I don't remember bullets. Yeah, from the there's Old Testament, no bullets. But, in the Old Testament. but yeah, that's me. this guy's Old. Or Testament. when when um. When uh, Paul Walker goes, Brian, Brian O'Connor goes, I knew him in juvie. I said to Dan, what federal agent has juvie in their background? Wait, wait, wait. His name's Brian O'Connor? I thought his name was O'Brien O'Brien. 
Brian O'Brien. Like that's the whole time I was Brian calling him O'Connor. Brian O'Brien. Oh, okay. Brian O'Connor. And Dominic. Dominic. Yeah. Those are all this is one thing about this movie. Those are the only two names I know. Yeah. I can't I tell you the name of any other character. I, I know think, their names. Except Hobbs is is the rock. And I think the girlfriend might be Mia. But like I don't know any of the names of the the crew. Because they did introduce them, Taylor. Like Gal Gal Gadot shows up. I was like, and, "Whoa, Gal Gadot!" Yeah, and I was like, "Why is Gal Gadot? What is I'm going like, on?" What year did this movie come out? I didn't think she acted until Wonder Woman. Yeah, I was. I was. I. I this movie just kept getting crazier and crazier every like step. Ludacris. Ludacris is in it. <laughs> Ooh. Raps at the end. He has a song. Did you watch the end credits scene, by the way, or did you? Were you just? Out? Oh, I didn't know that there was an end. Yeah, credits. there's an end credits scene. Oh yeah, yeah, right after the credit, and then Ludacris has a song for like the rest of the credits. Um, but yes, there's an well, end credits. Well, like I saw the scene where like it shows them, like what they're doing with their money, like that scene. <laughs> no, it so post credits the um ava mendez shows up for some reason and she she goes to the rock and gives him a file and says like we had someone like steal cars and he's like is it toretto and she says no and he says uh well then i'm not interested and then she says oh you might be interested then he opens the file and it's michelle it's a picture of michelle rodriguez Uh, and ava mendez goes do you believe in ghosts and then it cuts to work. She must be from... So she must be from four. a previous movie and people thought was dead or something. Oh. Right? Like that's because I know she's big in the franchise. So then she must come back for the sixth one and then continues for it. But uh, yeah, this was... Taylor, this was a... No, this was a wild ride. I don't want to devalue the amount of cheese that was in this movie. I just honestly thought there was going to be even more. Like, I was surprised Fair that at enough. the beginning, it was such a slow crawl. Like, the first half hour of the movie, it's really just, like, Paul Walker, Vin Diesel, and, like, the sister-girlfriend lady. Like, the, the, just the three of them, really. And in Hobbs Brazil. is starting to... Yeah, in Brazil. And Hobbs is, you know, trying to chase after. That was a weird line. This is Brazil. <laughs> <All the guys. laughs> yeah. Dan, that Dan, was a weird moment. <laughs> Dan wasn't watching the movie. He hates when I regurgitate back what he said but he has such mm. great moments he would be great on the episode so we're he's um he's playing his game i'm watching the movie and vince diesel goes vin diesel goes this is brazil or like he says it with an accent or whatever. with an accent for the first time in the movie, and then yeah. and then dan goes well that's a really weird time to announce where the movie's taking because <laughs> it's like more than halfway through the movie this is brazil yeah and then yeah everyone gets their guns out everyone gets um, their guns out <laughs> just, Every, the, the half this movie is everyone gets out their guns yeah well okay uh, here's this is one of my biggest pet peeves and it might just be i don't understand how american um federal agents work but this happens frequently in action movies where they'll say oh he's a federal agent why would an FBI person be operating in Brazil? You know, like that doesn't happen. You know, Federal Bureau of Investigations do domestic investigations. They don't travel to Brazil, as far as I know. So like these like I, FBI agents just yeah. happen to be in Brazil looking for them. Like, I don't think that's how it works. Okay, I don't want to give this movie too much credit because that's not fair to like movies or human beings. But I think that they actually did explain that at the beginning because I remember 
when the rock arrives, isn't he greeted by the Brazilian police? And they say like, thank you for coming. Like they invited him. Like, I think they invited help from the FBI. Like I remember him saying something to the rock being like, thank you so much for coming on such a notice. The the cars that are on the train Mm -hmm. are like, they were being watched by American agents, not Brazilian oh, they were? agents. Oh, I thought that was. Oh, I thought that was the. Brazilian and that's why the Rock has a grudge. Oh. The Rock has a grudge against Vin Diesel because he's like he he's the reason my guys died, and it's like why are why are two random American agents on a train in Brazil with like Brazilian cars? They're not even American oh, okay. cars. Yeah, this they belong to uh, that <laughs> drug lord. So yes, like, the drug lord. Yeah. Like what? What's happening? Here's another thing, Mike. I'm riled up. Yes. I thought the movie franchise was about illegal drag racing. I believe (laughs) the first four episodes, or first four seasons, or seasons, seasons, movies, the first four movies are. Like maybe about like car, like stealing cars, but I thought it really was about the drag racing. Well, this, this movie had the scenes with the butts and then they drove, they, they drove. Well, you didn't get to see it though. But they went to a race. Yeah. But, like, yeah. did you know that this movie was going to be a heist movie? No. No, I thought it was also about... I, I was confused because I knew the series... This is why I, I've never really had any interest in the Fast franchise. Because Fast and the Furious was about illegal racing. And I didn't understand how you turn that into a franchise. I'm not Again, where cars. The Rock punches a, you know, punches a torpedo on ice. Yeah. I don't know like how they got here. So yeah, that surprised me the most about the movie was this was a heist movie. This wasn't a yeah racing movie. In the, and I mean, there was a little bit of the kind of um, racing elements where they're like racing each other because clearly that's the world they come from. But this is a heist movie. Yeah. And I also... I just didn't believe. <laughs> Mike, I also was very confused about the drug lord. Uh... Like I, they're like scamming the drug lord to make enough money to like not have to be criminals anymore. Okay. Yes, because they but want then, because they did have that scene where she wants she was looking up countries that don't have extradition yeah. treaties. So they need the money yeah. to like get there. Get but there, then yeah. the crew gets put together and they're like, "This doesn't sound like a job. This sounds personal." And mm-hmm. I'm like, "What?" Like. At what point does Vin Diesel have a grudge against this drug lord? Like, I completely missed that. I thought, oh, they just are targeting him because he's a millionaire. Like, was there some sort of beef between the drug lord and Vin Diesel? Well, yeah, didn't didn't his friend who they punched at the, a lot at the beginning get killed? Not until the end. Or was that of the later? Movie. Was that later in the movie? Oh, okay. I thought that happened earlier. Oh, then I don't know what his grudge is. That was like I was very confused because I get like I get the sense. Again, not having seen the first four movies, they're like noble criminals. You know what I mean? Like they're they're Robin Hoods, right. so to speak. Yes, that's what it can. So like they chose him. He's a very bad guy. Like you know what I mean? Like he's yeah. running the slums of Brazil. So he's the one we're gonna target. And then you know they assemble the team and they go. Well, this sounds like this sounds personal, not business. I'm like, at what point is it? Did it become personal? What did I miss? What scene happened that? <laughs> To me, this is still business. He just happens to be the richest, meanest guy in Brazil. Like, who cares? Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. No, I, I think, like, the movie the movie was, was a little weird. It, it just, it definitely, 
this is the one that apparently launched the rest of this franchise and really like gathered a following. Like I don't, it's not universally the first one, but it, everything I found was Fast Five is where it sort of begins, where the rest of these movies are heist movies. Like they're all about certain missions and things that this group of people need to do. Um, so I, I was just one thrown off by that, but also, yeah, like I don't think the, the movie was. I just thought it wasn't very good. No, and it didn't. No. <laughs> it didn't really give you anything to go off of. And I definitely found it very tough not seeing anything before to know what it what was happening. Because every once in a while, I kept myself saying, like, "What is happening? And who are these people? Like, what is going on?" Yeah, like and they got together and they didn't all know each other, and they had to no. like, do it. In what movie does that happen? Where like halfway through the movie, they're like, "Oh, and this is so and so." Yeah, yeah. Because again, they're from different movies, right? Like he, for whatever movies that um, Paul Walker was in, he he, he had, had adventures. Crew. Yeah, and I think it was with with like Ty Tyrese and Ludacris. Like I think the three of them were all in Too Fast, Too Furious together. So I don't know if they were in any of the other ones, or I don't know. But you know, again. They just sort of show up and they don't know Vin Diesel. But then so quickly, Vin Diesel's like, this is what's important in our family. And I'm just what is like, what is going on? Well, they're having that toast and cheers. And it's very weird. I did. I did go on the Wikipedia article for the Fast Furious franchise. I didn't like I, I, I went on just because I wanted to know, you know, R.I.P. Paul Walker. I wanted to know when he left the series because of his death. Like, right. was this, I wanted to know if this was the last one. It's not. He's in the seventh no, one. No, seven. Seven, yeah, seven is the one where he passed away while there are still things to be filmed. Yeah, very wasn't done yet. sad circumstances. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. But so Wikipedia describes the franchise as like, oh, Mike, I gotta, I gotta pull it up because it's like, <laughs> it's like. But they have some like really weird description of this? Yeah, like, um, here we go. Okay. Shoot. Hold on just one second. Fast and the Furious is a media franchise centered on a series of action films that are largely concerned with street racing, heists, spies, and family. And family. Yeah. <laughs> all, about, all, all about family. You know what's also interesting about this franchise is because I've heard the only other thing I've really heard is how much Vin Diesel and The Rock hate each other. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. And they just can't. There's one movie where apparently they're they're both in it, but they can't. They're never on screen together because their they egos are too. For, yeah, their egos are too big. Which again, okay, this is the other thing. <laughs> again, I please everyone remember I'm watching this at like six a.m. So I'm just sort of watching it and, and halfway through the series. Yeah, and I'm I'm I don't know what to, I find. I found it like I found this movie to be. I mean, I'm sure the director and the writers are doing whatever they can with like the stuff, but I just found from the actor standpoint, at least for Vin Diesel and The Rock, everything they did and said was to show and prove how tough they are. Yeah. Which makes me think they're not. Like it does the opposite for me. I say, oh, so you're both really insecure then. Like if you, because there was a thing that happened where The Rock, I think it was The Rock and Jason Statham actually, not not the Vin Diesel, but maybe Vin Diesel. I don't know. There was a thing where in, in the Hobbs and Shaw movie, they had to have in their contract how much Idris Elba was allowed to like beat them up them. and hurt them and punch them. 
right? We talked about that. And I believe there was a thing, there was a disagreement between Vin Diesel and The Rock about how much they're allowed to beat each other up. Yeah, like and I just, they're not allowed to lose or yes. something. They can't I, lose the fight. And I think, to again, to me, that, that screams insecurity. Like you can't, you can't show yourself because that's the thing that was missing from, from this movie to me. The, to, to, well, there's a lot missing. But one of the key things was there wasn't the moment of you've just lost big time. And now you got to rally around the people you have and what you have and come together for a new and do the heist. Like I didn't get that moment yeah, that I looked for in a movie. Yeah, the were not They were there. never they were yeah. never elevated. And that's, again, like we've been, we're going to be talking today a lot about, you know, adaptations from things and talk about superhero movies. That's the one thing that always happens in the hero's journey is there's a moment where the stakes get elevated. You lose someone, you lose something, or you just lose and you have to sit and face your mortality. They do lose a character, but he didn't seem, I don't know if he was important in the other it movies. He yeah. was not. They um, didn't build them up in this. You one. know, Mike, it's interesting you brought that up because every time it was like, um, it was like, it was like, it was a showdown and they just both choose to walk away. Hmm. Like that's how all of their conflicts, like, you know, like the, this is Brazil, right? Like guns drawn. This is Brazil. Okay. I'll get you another time. You know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, Vin yeah, Diesel yeah. could have punched his face in. No, I'm going to be the bigger man. We both walk away. And then, and then, weirdly, The Rock is like, "I'm gonna help you." Oh, I, I do you remember that? How The Rock? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was like, uh, "I'm in. I'm in." For no reason. I'm like, okay. But and then at the end of the movie, I, I'm not. I'm gonna give you 24 hours. Like you're right. Like there are no. Like it just always was kind of like a, a machismo. You know, we're both big guys. I recognize that you're a big guy. I'm a big guy. Let's walk away. <laughs> yeah, and, and what what cool what cool line can we say? Yeah, is basically kind of what um uh what ends up happening. What cool line should we have zinger. these characters in the walk saying? What's zinger? Yeah, it was just the movie was a mess, and you know even some of the action stuff like it was fine, and it was it, it was directed all right, and it was okay, but I just. I felt overall the movie just didn't have anything. Like there wasn't enough even internal character development. Again, the difference, but because I think this all conversation all started when I went to see that Downton Abbey movie. Right. At least seeing that movie made me go, listen, I'm not super interested in this, but I, you've shown me enough to want to go watch the pilot to just have a sense, oh, is the show like this? Who are these characters? Like it gave me at least some sort of, begrudging respect to like, well, you turned something that I'm not interested in that I don't know anything about into a good movie. This did not do that. <laughs> like fast five was not. Mike, I anything. like, I can understand. Like I, I mentioned this maybe a couple weeks ago, how I grew up watching a lot of like the silly Jason Statham movies with my mom and like that type of action where it's kind of corny, but like, you know, it's, it's fun, right? Like it's fun to watch. I just, like, don't really know, and, like, no judgment. I never know with our our, our listeners if they're writing in because they love the thing or they're writing mm -hmm. in because they want to torture us. But, like, yeah. I really, like, don't get 
who would watch this movie seriously. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like I could see like maybe sitting down and watching it because it's like, it's kind of like junk food. Like I personally don't have much interest to like watch the first ones or the ones after this. I could see someone maybe being like, oh, this movie is so cheesy. Let's like sit down and like joke watch it. But like they're hugely popular. So like people must be watching these because they genuinely like them. And I'm like, who who are those people? Because <laughs> like this movie is not like you said, it's not a good movie. It's not good. No. I'm sorry. It's not, it's not. And I and it this franchise makes billions of dollars too. It's huge. So I'm not sure who likes this movie, and I'm not too sure what would be appealing about it. Because, yeah, at the end of the day, this just wasn't a good movie, which is just, it, you know, the, the same thing that would bomb in any genre where you just go. And even though, you know, you sometimes get defenders of things no matter what, but you see it in the box office and you see it in the critical response when a sequel to something doesn't do as well as the other one and the interest is being lost. These movies have continued to gain interest and I don't. I don't know why. Like, I, I don't see the appeal to this. So I have no idea. It's a skip it. <laughs> if we're, if we're rating Fast Five, it's an absolute skip You know what's really crazy? Um, James Wan has been involved with the series. But it looks like he's only directed Furious 7, which is their most mm. famous. But I'm like... Yeah, that's the big one. Yeah. James Wan, my man, The Conjuring, what are you doing? But it doesn't, like... I don't know how you like feel about it, but it seems like similar to me. Like, unlike my Downton Abbey experience, this movie didn't make me want to see anything else. Like, even though I know Seven is kind of, you know, Paul Walker's last one, it was like really, really, really big. Um, a lot of people, like a lot of people, um, like the movie and it won awards. And then, like, has it, I still, like, I have no interest in watching it. Even like, like five gave me nothing to to draw me back again, so I'm just yeah I don't know I don't I don't know the what only one that. I would be a little bit interested in and it's only if the yakuza are involved would be Tokyo Drift, but mm. now I'm I'm on the Wikipedia it's a standalone movie it's not it has little bow wow in it it doesn't <laughs> even know, have even it. it doesn't even have like a it doesn't have any of the other characters in it. Oh, right. Vin Diesel makes a cameo. I really don't understand this franchise. <laughs> like, to have a, your third movie and it not have any of the major cast, like, that's really confusing to me. So, yeah, like, I have even less interest now. But the characters in this movie kept talking about Tokyo. Did you find that? They more yeah, than once people mentioned Tokyo. Yeah, once. Which yeah. w- made me thought, oh, maybe to- the Tokyo Drift movie is coming. <laughs> nope, it's the third no, one. Anyways. To me, I'm with you, Mike. If anything, like, I'll read the plot synopsis yeah, yeah. on Wikipedia. <laughs> like, I'll just read what the other movies are about. But, like, no, I'm in no rush. I'm also, like, full disclosure, I'm not a car person. So already, yeah. like, I'm not interested. I don't like extended action sequences. So again, not interested. And like, I'm not really attracted to the type of acting 
that Vin Diesel and The Rock do. That right. kind of like machismo, corny, larger than life. Mm. So like there's nothing in this series that's for me. Um, so for me, it's a skip it. Again, apologies if this is your favorite film franchise. I am very sorry. Write in and tell us why you love it. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to hear. I'd Mike and I, <laughs> we don't get it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. there you go. That's Fast Five. Um, we have a jam-packed episode ahead. We've got guests that are going to be popping in for for some segments here and there. Um, so Taylor, shall we shall we just get right to it and welcome our first guest? Yeah, let's do it. And our first guest of many in this three hour plus long episode is Tyler Vance. Welcome back to the show, Tyler. Oh, thank you very much for having me. I am familiar with that old nursery rhyme adage, first the worst, but um, I'm you know what? I'm gonna try to fight against it. <laughs> Well, if it makes you feel any better, and we'll talk about this a little bit at the end of your segment too, but you're actually going to be on first and last because you're lending your voice um, for Austin. We've got a little uh, fun experience. Do you want to kind of tease that actually, Tyler? Give us a quick 10-second tease for fans. What should they expect from Austin in the last section? Well, definitely, I, I never sound smarter than when I have Austin's words in my mouth. Um, so I have a list here of around 20 questions. They are questions that concern screening in Kingston, and we are interested in finding out how well our co-hosts actually know their own podcast. So <laughs> I can spoiler not very well. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to go poorly. <laughs> but that uh, you know, Austin and I kind of thought might that might be the case, considering the track record that we've been able to listen to is like with the certain things, but. We do have a percentage. So basically, you're not going to be competing against each other. You will be working in a team. And okay. then we're going to afterwards like, give you a percentage out of 20 of how well you know your own podcast. There you go. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, that's to come. We'll talk more about that near the <laughs> end. But there's a reason, everyone, to stick through this full episode because that's going to be the last segment and that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, but right now, we're going to talk about what you, the fans, voted this is one this is the first actually of the four topics that you the fans got to choose and this is tyler talking star trek i gotta tell you it came down neck and neck it was it was a tyler vance movie and star trek like back and forth back and forth star trek won by two votes oh my god at the end that's how close <laughs> it was. nothing else was closer two votes and this one there were people who just voted for this category <laughs> this is the most voted category. I'm not even like I'm not like there were 97 votes for oh this my. category. So now a part of me thinks that people went back and double voted because there was no mechanism to stop that. But Even. also, clearly there's an interest in, in some sort of Tyler Vance picks a Tyler Vance movie for us to review. So I guess we're going to have to bring you back on the show, Tyler, and do that at some point. Though. Well, was, you know, if we have to, we have to. Yeah, yeah for, for the fans. we do. It like, I know this isn't a popularity contest, but I feel like maybe Tyler was voted fan favorite guest host just by the amount yeah, of yeah probably by the amount again i'm not ruling out that tyler vance went on and voted 97 times that's true it's always possible <laughs> you you can never really trust me to do what i'm supposed to do or god is maybe yeah. your wife you recruited your wife yeah, to... exactly well i do like that mike once t said that i am like 50 percent star trek and 50 percent garbage is like and that was kind of like the two parts of me in terms of like movie preference and so it's interesting to see that the screening in kingston crew also kind of has this kind of like 
50-50 mix of how much they prefer me to talk about Star Trek, which I assume is good for them, versus how much they want me to subject you all to my movies, which I assume is bad for you and therefore also good for them. Which is very, very close. <laughs> so it's so <laughs> a it's, close second. They were very, very, like a lot of people would prefer you subject us to something. Um, I'm not sure if I exactly worded, say you were 50% garbage and 50% Star Trek, but We'll, we'll let that slide. Maybe I, I will I will go back and I will find the exact okay. quote because <laughs> well, I, laughed, I laughed so hard on the subway when I that's... heard that. I scared some poor corgi that was down the <laughs> Mike, that that's... might be one of the questions on our, our, oh, our that's top true. quiz. Yeah, that's going to be the meanest thing I think I've ever said to, about anybody on this show. Um, <laughs> but let's let's talk Star Trek because we, we are limited on time here. We only have a certain amount of time for each person. Uh, Star Trek was an open topic, so I just said, Tyler, like, what do you have? And we decided to go with talking about, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, the rest of season one and two of Enterprise, which you finally watched. Mm-hmm. Okay, so yes. Taylor, you at least saw the pilot of this. So this all is a good throwback because all three of us reviewed the pilot episode. So that's good. Yeah. Taylor, does that mean that you haven't been slowly watching Star Trek Enterprise ever since that fateful day where we made you watch the pilot? No. No. <laughs> but there was a pause there. I thought Taylor maybe just left. Yeah, <laughs> I was just yeah. like, I'm going to sit this out. Just you hear the door it. slam. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. No, this, I... this should be actually a pretty good indication of how I watch TV and, and the reason why I'm still stranded in season three of Stranger Things and haven't made my way out of it yet is because I just like slowly pick away at things. Like I'd watch like an episode or two every week then forget about it for a week. And then I'd like watch five episodes in one night. And yeah. so I've made my way through two seasons of Enterprise out of the four that I believe. There are there four. Are. Yes, yeah. there are four seasons. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I have thoughts. Okay. Well, let's get right into it. This is this is your time. Give us your thoughts. Give us a review of seasons one and two of Star Trek Enterprise. Yeah. So for those of you out there who were just aghast that Mike chose Enterprise for Taylor's first Star Trek, I remember there being a lot of pushback on that yeah, choice. That's correct. I, yes. uh, <laughs> I, I will say that there are definitely things to dislike about this show. There's a lot of like goofy CGI, especially as you go through. They start trying to rely on CGI for more of the wide shots, um, and it just is, it looks terrible. Um, there are is like this is also the most hypersexualized of any Star Trek series I have ever seen in my entire life. Like Tyler, I was gonna say the only thing I remember is the shower scene. <laughs> <laughs> it's like every two episodes someone's in their underwear. I'm like, what well, is yeah, happening? Because they gotta get disinfected. Yeah, that's a that was a, a great thing that they wrote into the yeah, show. So yeah, they could that do was this. Their <laughs> yeah, that it does happen a surprising large amount in the beginning. Yeah. Stuff. it's it's a lot it's a lot and uh it's kind of died down as they've gone along but not by a lot and um also another thing i remember we complained about in the first episode was that there's a lot of like action focus on certain episodes like a lot of shooting ray guns and stuff like that which is usually my least favorite star trek i I prefer the the thinky star trek as opposed to the shooty star trek um that's just in general for me um however all that being pushed aside, I would say that Enterprise actually does, it has really like been something that I look forward to and enjoy watching. And it's mostly because it has such cool premises to some of their episodes. Like, yes, there, there's just like, it's just something that you don't see in modern day Star Trek a lot. Is, is this like these really interesting ideas of like cool mysteries and just mm-hmm. wondering 
what is happening and that what is happening really drags you through a lot of like the more like goofy aspects of it it's like and uh, it's been very rare for me to end an episode of enterprise and not be satisfied with the uh, conclusion i just recently as in like three days ago watched the episode uh cogenitor the Ah, season two episode 22 which you have mentioned several times on the show so far mike about this moment where there's this race with a third gender and who was treated kind of like as a second class citizen. And one of the enterprise crew members tries to integrate her is like a teacher, like how to read and all that sort of stuff. And, and through this whole process ends up like destabilizing the, um, both the relationship between Starfleet and this new race, as well as kind of like the strange harmony and the way that even though their society wasn't working in a way we would find morally acceptable, it was working. And now yeah. it is starting to get, they kind of fall apart. And so that all those sort of things, these people making mistakes, going out and blundering their way through space because they're the first pe- uh, humans to go out there. It works really well for me. So I've been really enjoying that. Yeah. And because you're through, you know, the first, cause the first seasons, uh, the last episode of season one, where they go to that planet and accidentally ignite the atmosphere. Yeah. Those moments to me are what make makes Enterprise, first of all, far superior than any of the so-called Star Trek we have now, but still <laughs> in line with the Star Treks that came before, because yes, they had some poor decisions and I think they were worried about ratings and they were too concentrated on trying to get younger viewers, but going about it the wrong way. Yeah. When they stopped doing those things and just told a Star Trek story, it was some of the best Star Trek that there was. And Cogenitor is always the episode that I will point to to say there is absolutely nothing that any modern Star Trek has done that is more ahead of its time, more uh, interesting, and more talking about issues that relate to us than that episode of Cogenitor, where it talks about cultural differences, gender, identity, all those things and judging other cultures by your expectation of them, which is something that, again, this Star Trek episode ends pretty much with, like, you, you know, you mentioned a lot of the things that he causes. He also causes the death of someone mm-hmm. and he also causes a child not to be born. And the episode is left at that point. Like it's, we're done. No, nothing else to be said. And that's what I really loved about Enterprise. And sometimes it left being like, I don't know who's right or wrong here, but it just, just gave me all the information and I'm like morally confused, which is great. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, that's something that I also really enjoyed because like that aspect of it, I think has been my favorite so far in enterprise, but enterprise is actually a pretty like a uh, mixed bag. And when I say mixed bag, I don't mean in terms of quality, although it is that at times too, but more a mixed bag in terms of like, different episodes will be really pushing for different things. There are episodes in this that are like almost entirely comedic. There's an episode where one of where with the engineer is, ends up getting like pregnant as a male because he was <laughs> right. interacting with this like alien in a way that he shouldn't have been. And is like, like, and like, there's just, there's so much comedy that comes from that. And like, because he's so like male bravado and it's like to have that is like, is kind of really funny. There's actually some really good, almost like, horror related episodes like um there's one about this parasitic creature that takes over and starts like kind of like consuming the ship there's another one called dead stop in season two where there's this like automatic repair bay that's building that's like that's fixing their ship and it's like it's going to require something of them but they don't really know what and when it's revealed what it's actually going to take from them it's something really horrifying there's a lot of these like just really interesting genre fare that isn't just science fiction, but is comedy, is horror, is tragedy, mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff. 
And so definitely if you like, depending on what your, your mood is, you can find something that you are in the mood for in enterprise. Um, maybe not all of it, but certain parts of it for sure. Yeah. And I think that it's, it's unfortunate at the end of the day that the first two seasons, which are a mixed bag and I understand that they, I'm not going to say too much because you're not there yet. They really divert in season three thinking mm-hmm. that they have to do something. So the third season is something the whole premise is something that Star Trek has never done before. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a very interesting thing. And then season four, they kind of get back to it. Um, and it and some fantastic episodes are in are in the fourth season as well. But it, it's just a shame that there wasn't, one, slightly more confidence on the team to write these stories the way they wanted to. But two, it's just of a different era. If Enterprise came out now with like better CGI and such, but if it came out now, it would never go off air. Because shows just don't leave now, unless you're a Netflix show. But they just don't. They just stick around. Like, we're getting a fifth season of Star Trek Discovery. No one's watching it. They released a thing on Paramount Plus that, like, less than a thousand people, like, tuned in for the first episode of last season or something. Yeah, and part of me just feels like, at this point, it's just brand, right? Like, they're just trying to keep the brand of Star Trek alive, so they're hoping for the next thing that's going to come and make waves. But they need to have, like, a continual presence. Um yeah, and it's like I I haven't watched uh, like Strange New Worlds yet, which is apparently supposed to be very good. It's like um, I am excited to like try that one out. Um, it's like in the meantime, I have been spending most of my time with Enterprise, and um, something that Star Trek has always been pretty good at is kind of like characters, interesting characters that kind of um, like a cool cast of characters. And I would say that this one does also a very good job. Um, mm-hmm. It's like I have like I have my favorites. I think uh, Trip, who is the aforementioned like bravado engineer, is probably my favorite. Um, we also have uh, Hoshi, who is the like yeah. communications officer. I quite like her. Um, Phlox and Paul have some really interesting stories. Um, not a big fan of Archer. He's really that form of like captain that is just like you know the more Kirk esque like rough and tumble. Like for, okay, who brings a beagle into space? Just, let's, just let's litigate this right now. <laughs> just, well, it's funny because, like, when when Star Trek Enterprise first came out, yeah, one of the like key things I kept remembering thinking was he's so angry all the time. He's like, so he, angry. he's just so angry. So he needs the beagle. So he needs yeah to support beagle. <laughs> yeah, that's support true. I never thought of it that way. It could um, be because just like. It's so much of that is like, I think that Beagle, him having that Beagle just completely sums up the things I don't like about his character. You know, that's his Beagle, eh? Like that's Scott yeah. Bakula's Beagle. Yeah. It's like, and the it's actor's like, dog. And you know, I love dogs. It's super cute. It's like, and you know, in the future when you're on the Enterprise D where you have holodecks and like mm-hmm. all this sort of stuff, like sure, having a dog, you know, it's like the Enterprise is practically its own ecosystem into and of itself. This is effectively bringing a dog onto a submarine. Submarine, yeah. It's yeah, even it's built like, like the ship looks like a submarine. Yeah. Why would space, you do yeah. that to the dog? Yeah. Why would no. you then? Is like, and then like when he brings dogs down on away missions and it like pees on something and get and it gets the locals angry and he's the one getting defensive and it's like, yeah, you're just why are you doing this? This is such a bad <laughs> and it just kind of really sums up like a lot of the problems I have with him <laughs> as a commanding officer. It just he's so yeah. selfish at times. And I'm like, why are you doing this? <laughs> Um, we're, we're almost out of time. So I just, yeah. I, I kind of want to end this off with, um, for, for you, Tyler, in terms of watching the two seasons, mm-hmm. where you're kind of ranking it in terms of the Star Trek you've seen before. Like, mm-hmm. how would you kind of compare it to what's come before? Like, as it currently stands, it would probably be the lowest of the of the old Star Trek. Like, I think that, like, a TNG is my, is my number one. And then I have a really strong soft spot for the original series, which comes next. 
And then really like Voyager and D Space Nine, I have seen before, but they're in this kind of like big mixture of like that. I'm, it's hard for me to extract them. Yeah. Some episodes of Enterprise rise above those into the echelons of like TNG and other ones are sitting down at the bottom kind of waving <laughs> upwards with like a, like a really sad look on their face. Yeah. In the aggregate, in the average, it probably comes out somewhere slightly below Voyager and Deep Space Nine, but not nearly as far as I thought it would be. I yeah. actually think that they were making good Star Trek in this move in this series. Um, they yeah. weren't always making good Star Trek, but they were <laughs> making good Star Trek. And that's really more than can be asked for for most shows these days. Yeah, I I agree with you. I think, yeah, I think it definitely fits in better than it's been given credit for with with what came before. Um, Thank you so much, Tyler, for doing this. Um, But we're not going to say a big goodbye to you because you're joining us later in the show. So we'll just say goodbye for now and uh, see you in about two hours. It's a see you later, Mike. Yes. Not goodbye. See you later. See you later, Tyler. I think that's a John Q uh, reference. To the, the Denzel Washington like movie? Yeah. No, I, <laughs> I haven't seen that, that in a long time. I think he says that to his kid at the end of the movie. It's not goodbye. Oh. It's see you later. <laughs> well, then see you later. <laughs> All right. Our next guest, uh, you know, you love, friend of show, friend of Taylor, Katie. Welcome back to the show, Katie. Hi. Thanks for having me. You were just on the show not too long ago. So it's great to yeah. kind of come back. And uh, this is another one of our fan-voted uh, topics. So the fans spoke, and they spoke loudly and very clearly, that book, bad, book adaptation of a movie is what they want to talk about, and they want to hear the best book adaptations of a movie. So are you ready to give us the absolute best, definitive list of the best books that have been adapted into the Yes, so I have a list. This was hard to do. I have a list of my top five, and then I have an honorable mention slash kind of a cheat. Okay, I already have a question. So you said that this was hard to do. So do you believe that there have actually been a lot of movies that you think have been successfully adapted uh, off of a book? Yeah, I do, actually. I think that overall, I think there are more good adaptations than bad. Wow. Okay. But, Katie, when have they been released? Because I have a theory that no good movies are being released, and maybe that's why the book-to-movie um, adaptations recently have not been good. <laughs> What's so the, on what my are... list, I actually have two from, I think, the past five years. Okay. But five years is a big, big window. So we'll okay. tell us the year they came were released and then yeah that's oh my gosh okay i'm gonna have to look that up that's fine while you're looking that up while you're looking that up we'll we'll stall and give katie a second because i actually very disagree with that statement at least the books that i've really liked and been excited to see a movie i've been disappointed almost every time like taylor like what like Like every well um okay so all the harry potter movies obviously are are atrocious um compared to the book um, one, I really liked the Martian movie until I read the book and went, wow, this book is so much better than the movie and it's not even close. Um, that's another one that I thought was just like, come on, the book is so much better. You could have done this better. Some of these should be TV shows, not uh, movies because they cut so much out. Yeah. So those are the examples off the top of my head. Like, have you found, Taylor, that you have enjoyed a book and then enjoyed a movie or more cynical? Uh, I don't read a lot of 
new books. <laughs> like a lot of the books I've read, um, like I was on a really like a Daphne du Maurier kick a couple years ago. And a lot of those were adapted like prior to the 90s. Mm. So when movies were still good, I <laughs> was looking forward to um, the new remake of Rebecca with, I think you like this actress. I always forget her name. Uh, I want to say Lily. She was in. Lily James? The, yeah. So yes. Lily James and Ar- Army Hammer <laughs> were cast, <laughs> but I actually haven't got around to seeing that one. And apparently the adaptation was absolutely hor- horrible. So um, maybe I won't watch it because the original one, I, I, I could be completely wrong. I think Hitchcock directed the original Rebecca from the 40s. And it's a very good movie and a very good adaptation. So mm. I don't know if you read, if that's the... Uh, you know, when you read old books and the adaptations were made in the 40s and 50s and 60s, you're kind of in the clear. <laughs> Sometimes I guess I just feel the same way I do about musicals. I understand very clearly that a book, a movie, a musical, these are all different mediums. They're, they're used in different ways and you have to be a master of both mediums in order to translate it well. Or understand that this is not a book. This is a movie. So we're going to have to make changes, which I have no problem with. And we're going to have to adapt it so it works for the screen. I have no problem with that. I still think they do it poorly. They just don't capture the essence of what I've loved of certain books. I don't end up seeing that on, on screen. I, uh, I think you're right in the sense that, um, you know, like letting JK Rowling, uh, adapt the script isn't always the best no. case scenario or like you saw that with the twilight movies like the author was heavily involved with the twilight movies i know these aren't like prestige these are like prestige. Books yeah, I was or about anything, to say 50 like, shades of gray but like <laughs> just not like, on my list okay. <laughs> no okay good if you were about to talk 50 shades of gray that was gonna be an interesting discussion Katie, are you ready have you got the dates? i am ready but this does make the question is like if the book wasn't if the book isn't like a prestige novel, but the movie is good, does that still make it a good adaptation of the book then? Because so, I see. okay, let's, I see. I'm going to run through my list and then okay. we can talk about them. Okay. That sounds good. So number one, I have The Princess Bride from 1987. Okay. Number two, I have Lord of the Rings, specifically The Two Towers, Two Towers. from 2002. Okay. Number three, I have Crazy Rich Asians from 2018. That was number four. And this is, um, Probably, this is an interesting pick. I have The Princess Diaries from 2001. (laughs) Number five, or I think the best one for me, is um, Little Women from 2019. Greta Gerwig's Little Women. Right. And then my honorable mention slash kind of a cheat because it's not a book adaptation, it's an adaptation of a short story, is Shawshank Redemption from 1994. Okay. Okay. So there's a real mixed bag in there, but uh, we can talk about it if there's anywhere you want to start. Well, two, I didn't know two of those were books, first of all. So um, Princess Diaries, that was one of them? Something. Yeah, so Princess yeah. Diaries was like a young that. adult series written by Meg Cabot, with and, which I read when I was younger. And I still, I will still watch the Anne Hathaway, Julie Andrews movie. It is still delightful and great, and I think it is a wonderful adaptation. Okay, yeah, I had no idea that was even based on anything, like previous property or anything. That's... 
Wow. Okay. Um, okay. Why two towers specifically over the other ones? Because I found the two towers book the driest and hardest to get through. Mm. And the movie has the battle of Helm's deep, which is not in the book. And I think okay. that if the movie had done it straight from the book, much like the fellowship is pretty true to the book and two towers is where they start to change things and they bring different things in and they kind of move around timelines. And I think that if it had just been the two towers as it was written, it would have been a very boring movie. So you think the changes they made enhanced the yes. previous material, which is therefore Correct. makes it a good adaptation. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah, that's interesting. Cause I would say, I mean, I love all, all the Lord of the Rings movies and I rewatch them annually. Um, but I would say the two towers being the middle one is the one I'm kind of just getting through, even though the battle of seems great, but it's just the fellowship of the ring is just a, to me, a far superior movie. Um, so it's interesting that you're saying that a lot of people find Tolkien's work dry, <laughs> all, yeah. all his works, let alone just two towers. But it is interesting that you bring up that point where it actually made improvements for you by adding. Yeah. In I think that's why I picked that one is because they mm. did it differently than the book. And yeah. I mean, I am similar to you. I watch all the Lord of the Rings, Lord of the Rings movies annually and I love Absolutely. all three of them and it's hard to separate. So I think I just picked um, that one because I, I liked the changes that were made, whereas the other yeah. two didn't have as many changes made, but we're now, are you an extended editions watcher? Like, do you watch over like all, all like whatever, 27 hours or whatever ends it ends up being? Like, I think I've like only done that once. Okay. Okay. So you mainly watch theatrical and then every, uh -huh. like once you do that. Okay. That's Katie, that's I fair. feel like your opinion about them changing the book is kind of controversial. Interesting. And how, and I have a it might be. Um, I'm not wedded to that uh, intellectual property. I've never been able to make it through the Lord of the Rings books. <laughs> and uh, maybe, maybe one day we'll see. Dan, Dan <laughs> reads to me. So maybe I'll have him read me the Lord of the Rings. So I don't have to do the reading, but anyways, yeah. um, but I'm just thinking, so, like, I don't care one way or the other, like, you know, about them changing things with Lord of the Rings. But you're seeing so much blowback now with, um, what are, what are, what do they call that series, Mike? The Rings of, oh, power. The Rings of, Rings power. of power. Yeah. And how, again, like, I have not read the lore, because there's, like, more books than Lord of the Rings. Like, I haven't yeah, read the all that Yeah, but, um, so, like... There seems to be in my in you know my understanding you have some of these diehard fans where like if it's anything but the book it's like completely written off you know what i mean well so, yeah i mean i think i think that so but sometimes i think that's fair though because the book like you could I know you have to change some things, but I will bring up Harry Potter a million times. You could take Harry Potter and make a TV show out of it, stay true to the book, still enhance it and add things, and it wouldn't be the trash bags that were the final like five movies, where it's just in the hands of a non-filmmaker, a non-film uh, writer, and they're just sort of throwing things out there, being like, whatever, you don't have to hear the dialogue. That's not important. You don't have to hear the dialogue. You don't have to have magic. We'll just have people shoot lasers at each other. Like that's, you can do better things. So I think that, yes, I get it. And I get what you're saying, Taylor. And fandom goes too far. Fandoms will go too far and they attack things that they shouldn't. 
but as a big fan of some things. When I see little mistakes that you don't have to make being made, it does get me as angry as those fans because I'm sitting here going, this isn't hard. I'm sorry it's not hard to make a Middle Earth TV show series and make it interesting and good. It's not. You're making it seem like it's really difficult to do that. But for some reason, it's really hard for them because I don't think they care. And that's what people pick up on. They want money. When you when you have a book turned, look at all the Twilight movies. They were just about getting as much money as they could off of the, the franchise. Like, I think you can just tell when it's disingenuous and the people don't care about the... But Katie's describing something different with the two towers in the sense that um, changes were made for the the narrative style of film. Would you Mm -hmm. agree, Katie? Like, it wasn't like they were being lazy. They were just moving the plot forward for the Yeah, so I think think in this case, like, the... Obviously, it's one of my best adaptations. The change was positive. It was made for a reason. The Lord of the Rings books, they're hefty. You can't put those into a Mm -hmm. movie. Uh, Three movies, even the extended editions. (laughs) Yes. Um, I admit I have not watched the TV show yet. I've been traveling and just haven't had a chance to sit down and been trying to get caught up on, like, House of the Dragon, and there's just too much going on. Um, But everything that I'm seeing online are things like, you know, the the typical fandom type tends to do and in, in upset at the racial diversity of middle earth and i don't have time for that no um i just put those critiques aside i do not think they're valid um i think with my changes the thing is like when i've read a book and i go to see a movie i don't want to see the exact same thing i read i'd like there to be some changes it just depends on the kind of changes that they do and whether or not i feel like they were thoughtfully done or thought about or there was a reason behind them or if they were done, as Mike said, out of laziness. Right. <laughs> yeah. But exactly what you're describing, though, with Two Towers, I think I, I'm agreeing with you. I think that she, a change that's made that goes against the source material, but it's so well done, it serves the narrative, and it makes the movie better. Then do it. And, like, one of the... I, I'm with you. Like, I cannot stand some of the BS stuff that people will complain about when it comes to shows, and I just don't have time for it. But I'll tell you right now, Lord of the Rings Ring of Powers is a dull mess and it has nothing to do with any of their casting decisions. It has everything to do with lazy writing and an inability to create character. House of the Dragon is a far superior show and it's not even close. You're the first person who said that. That's so Far superior. Uh, House of Dragons has developed somehow new characters that I'm actually interested in and have done a good job of making me care what happens to them. Are they working with George R.R. Martin for the plotting for the series? Okay. That's probably why it's better. He's big on Taylor. George R.R. Martin's interesting because he's really big on giving notes and then just kind of like stepping back after that, being like, oh, here are my notes or here are my world. This is the world building. Now go 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 have fun. Yeah. Yeah. So it is interesting. I found with um, Game of Thrones, I lost interest when they started diverting, when they outpaced the books. Right. Right. So, um, and again, like, I don't know. Yeah, it's complicated, right? When, mm-hmm. like, I'm I'm with Katie. I think changes are important um, when it, like, services the plot or, like, the, the narrative or, like, the... The, you know, the genre, I guess we're talking about, like the medium. But um, with Game of Thrones, like it lost the plot. And I think mm. it's because they like went off the source material. So <laughs> They're not as talented as we but thought there's always, <laughs> But I think there's always going to be that fandom where even in the case of 
the two towers, which is like a, a justified change, I think you're still going to have those people that were like, well, that didn't happen in the book, you know, yeah. like on page 122. Uh, and I think the internet has ruined us. Like you can't just like <laughs> enjoy like fan fan theories uh, have kind of like ruined enjoying just media. Yeah. No, in a, I, in a sense. I agree. Um, just because of time, uh, I, we would be remiss if we didn't go into Princess Bride a bit because I know our fans love that movie. I love so, that Katie, movie. I mean, how could you, you not like. love that movie? I just think this is one of my all-time favorite movies. It's one of my all-time rewatchable movies. It's always on my top five. Anytime, if I'm feeling down, I'll throw it on. I own it in multiple formats, so I never have to worry about losing it. And I'm just really grateful that it was a book so that it could be on this list. Mm-hmm. Katie, and you I've thought never... the adaptation was great? I do. I think the adaptation's yeah. phenomenal. I was going to say, I've never read the book. Is the book worth reading? Yeah. I mean, it's it's for a bit of a younger audience, whereas I think the movie has more for, you know, adults and... The whole family. Yeah, the whole family can enjoy it. And the book, to an extent, it it is like a fairy tale, and then there are footnotes. Hmm. Oh. So the footnotes, I guess, are kind of more for... The like, that's kind of where, like, a lot of the humor is. Right. Sure. Yeah. Um, but I would I would recommend reading it. You could probably knock it off in a weekend. It's it's not, you know, the Lord of the Rings. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. So our, our fans spoke. That's what they wanted us to talk about. Uh, Katie, thank you so much for coming on the show and also coming on the show all the many times that you've yeah. come on. You've we given us you. such a, like, interesting direction to go in. And I honestly, like, some of the best conversations we have on the show are because of these book movie discussions so i hope that you'll come back the next time we see something big that's a, a book and movie so we can uh, talk about it absolutely i and would be honored to mike katie has lots of lots of interests she oh, doesn't okay. just have to talk about books of course <laughs> open like invitation all thing, right though. come on the I'm show enjoying. anytime okay. <laughs> and talk about anything you'd like <laughs> uh, we love having you. you katie thank you yeah thank Thanks, you again, guys katie. Are you enjoying all this? Oh, wait, are we? <laughs> Sorry, we're recording now. <laughs> Save it for the recording, everybody. Hold on. Okay, I'm going to pause. I'm going to do the intro. I don't know. I think you should keep that in there. <laughs> I know. We Fine, we'll keep it in there. Hi, Matt. Uh, welcome, welcome to the show. Um, Matt from, from Real Out, uh, back again. Um, welcome back to the show, Matt. Uh, thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me and congratulations on your 200th episode. That's amazing. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, it, we can't, we just can't believe it's been four years. Um, no. It's hard to, to I almost feel like we've been counting wrong, but it's like, no, it's four years. <laughs> <laughs> it's four years. No, it's four years to 200 episodes. We're here. Um, and this is, this is kind of interesting because I mean, things are a little out of order from what will be in the podcast, but just so you know, Matt, for Taylor and I, um, you're the second guest we we've recorded with, but you're the first one where this is a topic that we didn't pick. The fans voted for you to talk about a particular topic. And oh. what our fans want is teen movies, teen flicks. That's what they want to hear. They've seen this specifically. A lot of people noted your interest of these types of movies from the 80s and 90s. So I think there's a keen interest there. But people are looking for more recommendations and they want to hear you talk about 
2016 movie. So this is the first mm. one that we get to vote that we are actually hearing from our fans who voted for this topic. So you can also thank our fans for bringing you here because they or want to blame them. Or blame them, whatever, yeah. <laughs> Can I? Yeah. <laughs> um, so we're going to talk about teen movies in this uh, segment. So what does that mean to you, Matt? Like when, when I said, hey, teen movies, teen flicks, like w- what jumps to your mind? Like what movies come to your mind? Well, to be honest, like so the, the, the movies that jump to my mind are often like the mean ones or the scary ones. Um, <laughs> because, I mean, like, I so I, so I was in... I did junior high and high school in Calgary and yeah, I mean, Calgary can be a pretty conservative place and even more so um, uh, as uh, an effeminate kid in the eighties and nineties. So yeah, I had a rough go of it. Um, It wasn't as bad as like, as I, you know, I've heard some pretty horrible stories, but like, you know, I had some great friends and obviously theater um, sort of saved my life um, and all the theater kids. Yeah. So I think I relate more to teen films that deal with adversity, often about bullying, um, over, say, like the 16 Candles type. Right. Type yeah. movie. I mean, wait, I was on the show talking. Yeah, yeah. I Like when you, you asked me to, to come on to the show and, and talk about the nineties teen movies, I think at that point, like I was already, you know, I was, I was had graduated and moved on and I wanted nothing to do with high school. (laughs) And I actually thought about that a lot after the show aired, I was thinking Mm -hmm. like, there is a, there's gotta be a reason why you had some sort of like festering. (laughs) Um, uh, What's the, I don't know, like reluctance maybe to, right. To, to, to be enthusiastic about the about the topic. Yeah, no, I think that I think that totally makes sense. And that's the thing about, at least to me, like teen movies, they do seem to have this different strain of like, yes, you got the 16 candles, but then you've got like Heathers. Yeah. Which yeah, I know is a movie you love. And I think mm-hmm. that speaks to, to kind of that genre, right? Like what other movies pop to your head then other than Heathers that are like, this is, this would be my, my teen movie. Well, so I would say I, so I've got, so, so I, you know, I was coming up with a list, like what are my favorite mm-hmm. teen movies? And like in that, it seems to be like in that vein, Heather's is number one and probably always will be. Um, and then um, in the same vein, I would say Battle Royale um, and Carrie, um, the original Carrie, the, mm. the Brian yes. Palmer's Carrie. Yeah. Um, and um, I mean, I've never, I don't think I remember a Lord of the Flies, but Battle Royale is like, to me, it's like, the, it's my battle. It's my Lord of the Flies. Like, it's Was my, there a Lord of the Flies movie? I don't. I think. Yeah, I there was one with Balthazar Getty. Oh, okay. Uh, in the, in the, I want to say like the 90s, maybe late 80s. And then there was one, a black and white one, a, like an, an, a, a UK one, which I've never seen, but this, it was the one that they would show in schools. Hmm. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, I like the idea of like Battle Royale would make a perfect film. I just read recently that Quentin Tarantino said that he would have liked to have, uh, uh, had a crack at a remake of a Battle Royale. Really? Yeah. And I mean, have you, have you seen the film? Have either of you? I haven't. I haven't, but I I know the premise. 
Yeah, it's and it's, any gamer knows the premise now just by the the words battle royale together. I mean, you have <laughs> oh, okay, that's fair. <laughs> so it's like any any you know, it's dropping a group of people off on an island. In this case, they're they're sort of mid middle school teens, all from the same homeroom, and they're dropped on an island, and they are to basically kill each other. Um, and the last person alive wins that tournament and so it's kind of interesting to see what clicks you know stick together even though it's Mm -hmm. like you know it's a only one person can live and then and i think like an american or north american remake would be kind of interesting because you know we deal a lot with you know racial relations Mm -hmm. um some of the criticism of hunger games was that it was just battle royale light yeah, I remember the author saying that she was she knew what it was, but she never read the uh, read the books or the or watched the film. Which mm. I mean, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I like I I like I liked Carrie, mm-hmm. um, and I liked Heather's. They're dark, but and they're obviously especially Heather's. It, it is hyperbole. Um, but I mean, people, you know, human beings, when their brains aren't fully developed are, can be quite cruel Mm -hmm. and oftentimes not for any particular reason, but because they want to be accepted. Yeah. So whoever our leaders are at that time at, in our lives, um, you're either going to have someone who is insecure and cruel and then everyone underneath them is going to follow suit. Or if you're lucky, you're going to have some nice kids who, you know, are accepting. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's, Matt, I, it, I, oh, go ahead, Mike. No, 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 go ahead, Taylor. I was just going to, with this kind of, uh, you know, dark teen flick, I'm a huge fan of Heather. It's one of my favorite movies. Carrie's great, too. What What's your take on Jawbreaker? Slightly different, but that dark comedy Hmm. I, I I was pretty hard on Jawbreaker when it came out because you know, everyone was obviously comparing it to Heather's. Right. Um, I definitely like it so much more now um, that I I don't have to compare it to Heather's. It's its right. own film. Um, it it's not as smart as Heather's, and it's and it, I don't know how to say this, but because because Heather's is is about mean girls. Mm-hmm. The script for Jawbreaker is just mean. Yeah. And I don't know how to, I, it's not smart mean, it's just kind of ugly. And I don't think it really loves its characters as right. much as Heather's does. I think like, I think that the screenplay for Heather's is incredibly witty and insightful. And uh, the screenwriter, not it's not Waters, is it, or maybe it is Waters, Mark Waters. I can Google it. It's either Lehman or Waters, um, and uh, they they loved the character. They loved each character, even the even the awful ones. You mm-hmm. can tell that. Whereas, yeah, Jawbreaker, Jawbreaker definitely like the cinematography. Jawbreaker was amazing. The performances were great. Uh, I love I love the names. I love Fern Mayo. That 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 character name is right up there for me. Um, like uh, the character Rupert Pupkin 
by uh, played by Robert De Niro in the film The King of Comedy. Those two names will always stick out to me as like awesome, awesome names. Fern Mayo and Rupert Pupkin. Good names. So yeah. Heather's was written by Daniel Waters. So you're right. Okay. And yeah. then Jawbreaker was written by Darren Stein or Steen, who also directed. Right, 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 right. And Darren, so Darren, Darren Stein also went on to make uh, the film GBF, Gay Best Friend. And, okay. um, and yeah, so Real Out is the Queer Film Festival here in Kingston. We showed that film about four times <laughs> in a year at different things. Like everyone, you know, we, you know, different community events, people were like, can you show GBF? It was such a hit. And, and it's funny because I don't actually put, never really put the two together that that was, that was the person who made Jawbreaker. Makes total sense when I think about it. It's so interesting that these films that you're both naming and a lot of like they're from obviously like the 80s or early 90s. I feel like teen movies have really shifted away from that genre. Mm-hmm. Like they really like certainly throughout the 90s and early 2000s, they became very good comedy. And now I think they're they're trying like there's comedy, but they're trying to say something like I'm thinking of that. Taylor, what was that movie? We forgot the name last time, too, but the, with the like kind of. Jacob Tremblay and the little kids, and it's kind of like a comedy, just coming of age story. Like oh, the early boy movie. movie, yeah, the, yeah. I don't, I don't, I just can't remember. I can't, I cannot Google little title. boy movie good again. Boys. Good boy, good boys, good boys, <laughs> good boys. Yeah, you can't Google. Yeah, it's like, but like good boys, um, and even uh, book smarts and mm. eighth grade are these movies that are trying to make like serious dramatic points, but also have a lot of comedy to them. Like, like the, you either go down the ridiculous funny stream with some heart or it's a drama, but there's still quite a bit of humor in there and they're trying to like tackle serious teen issues, but you don't really get the really dark, almost horror like movies for teen films anymore. At least you don't get a lot of them. Like that's what it seems. Well, I was even thinking like where are election, you know, like election with a Reese Witherspoon, that black comedy for teens. I don't think they make, black comedy for teens anymore. I don't know. I, I, I thought Easy A was pretty dark. Yeah, oh, Easy A got a little... Du- yes, Easy A had darker elements to it. Yeah, yeah Easy A for me is the closest to, like, that's a like over teen t- movie has. Yeah. Matt, that's I know, it's 10 years old. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, is it? You're old, yeah. Yeah, yeah Easy A's over 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember when Easy A came out. Yeah. What was the one, I think it was with Beanie Fields sign. No, no, but before that, and I don't actually, I'm not even sure if she's, she was what, it was like, it was also, it was a name for like, like the chubby, awkward girl. Oh, yes. I know what you're talking about. I never saw it though. And it wasn't her, but I know what you're talking about. Okay. It wasn't her. It's like, it's like, uh, it's an abbreviation. Yeah. I know I want to say GBF again, but like now I'm obsessed with GBF. Um, that one was pretty good. I thought that one was pretty good, all things considered. Um, but yeah, I think, like, you're right, Mike. I think, like, um, there seems to be a lot more dramas now. And, like, we're high school or, like, teen films aren't even necessarily about high school anymore. Yeah. Like, you mm-hmm. don't get, you don't get, it's like, it's not about the high school. It's about, like, what's in and out and around the high school, like, these yeah. teen teen dramas. 100%. Um, 
I mean, I, I think like Days of Confused is sort of like maybe like the archetype of like the that type of teen drama now. It's like where you just take a, a group of uh, an intersection of high school students and it's just like, you know, their soap opera lives, whether like they're exaggerated or not. Yeah. I had this conversation actually with somebody on the weekend and we were talking about, I mentioned that, that the topic that the fans had chosen was teen films. <laughs> and... Um, and I asked people if they could name a teen film that felt accurately, you know, reflected their teen high school experience. And nobody could really come up with one. I could name one. What would you, what would you oh, say? I mean, it's complex for a lot of reasons because I'm, I'm definitely not the Normal. main character in this. Um, but would you just say I'm not normal? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's so, so accurate. But like this, so this is a movie that I I think is one of the best team movies that has come out recently. Is Love Simon? So Love oh, yeah. Simon, even though yes, okay, I I I'm not attracted to men, and I didn't have the experience that he had of like that's really what the movie's about. But I do remember being in high school and having a crush on someone. And how awful that felt. And the idea of them finding out about it, how bad that could be and how scared that scary that could be. And his journey to try to stop people from finding out and to like, he, he kind of gets into this whole whack of things of, oh, I got to do this over here and I'm doing this over here and I'm trying to accomplish all this stuff. That to me reminds me of my high school experience of you've got to do all these things so people don't tell your secret, whatever it happens to be. And I think like Love, Simon, even though there's a lot of themes in there that don't resonate with me, the whole movie 100% resonated with my high school experience. Hmm. Hmm. Well, I, I, what about you, Taylor? Does anything jump out at you? It's probably really cliche, but I feel like Heather's is probably the hmm. most, only the um, feeling so out of your skin you know what I mean? Like trying to fit in, but not, you know, but not doing it very well. I, I'm not articulating this very well because obviously I did not murder anyone <laughs> in my <laughs> high school experience. And I wasn't part of like the in crowd, but that feeling of like high school is so stupid and you're bare knuckling it to university, um, yeah. which is kind of what, you know, Veronica is trying to do, right? <laughs> and um, so I really felt that. Just like, you know, everyone's everyone's so idiotic. High school is so idiotic. I just need to graduate. Like- uh, <laughs> you know, you know what's funny? Because I didn't like high school either. You know what's another movie that explains some of my experiences, even though I was less into partying than these characters, was super bad. Um, yeah. Because I had a best friend, still my best friend today, Andrew, who uh, was Jonah Hill in high school. Like, was that character <laughs> I could to that. a T. Yeah, 100%. That was Andrew. And I was the awkward Michael Sarah kind of, like, around thing. And just that relationship, I'm like, oh, that's that's me and Andrew. 100%. Like, it just... It oh, my works. God. I can't unsee that now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Andrew, like, Jonah Hill and Superbad, that was Andrew in high school. Like, it's 100%. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's another one. But it's I, a Taylor, friendship like, for the ages. Yes, absolutely. Like, Taylor, I can really understand, and I think we've all kind of talked about to a certain extent of how, how rough it can be. Like high school was just something to get through for yeah. me. So like, I just, I didn't have a great, great time there either. And I think that maybe our generation just needed those kinds of stories. And no offense to the, mm-hmm. I by like 
end of grade 10 to grade 12 had a really great group of friends but that mm-hmm. so like i didn't want to murder anyone but like just yeah high you keep is, saying that yeah you, you well, say that a lot movie, heather's is I'm all about murder Heather's all about murder <laughs> so i don't want people to watch that movie and be like what taylor wanted wonder, to give I'm Rain out unsolved to murders that were in taylor's hometown <laughs> like what how many unsolved murders are there <laughs> She doth protest too much. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, we're, we're pretty much at a time. Um, and I think like, for me at least, the thing I, I'd love just to hear from you, Matt, to, mm. to end with this is, uh, do you think there's been any other teen or teen movies within the past 10, 20 years yes. that have resonated with you at all? Okay. Yes. Yeah. So I would say, so first of all, before I answer that question really quickly, if anyone wants to see a really great teen movie that like, this is the closest thing I think that I can relate to. It's, it's a Swedish film. Uh, it's called Show Me Love. That's the English title. Okay. Um, it's really great. Um, check it out. It's the first film, teen film that I ever saw that like felt like they were real teens and real teen stories and, and highly entertaining. Um, I'm going to have to give, give uh, I'm going to have to say Bo Burnham's eighth grade is yeah. like amazing. Uh, can't believe that he wrote that. Like he really got in the mind of a young person. Um, it is like the epitome of cringe. Oh, yeah. Um, and um, Elsie Fisher, I think her name is the the actress who plays the the main character, uh, K- Katie Kayla. Um, yeah, I think that's her name. Yeah. Yeah, like uh, just like she's almost in every. I think she's in every frame, and she's just. Oh God, she's just, it's just, your heart goes out to her and there's so many girls out there, well, well, kids out there that are, you know, trying to be accepted through social media. I mean, through like YouTube and now TikTok and, yeah. and uh, having to make content. So it's not even about what you wear when you, you know, go to school every day. It's like what, how creative you are and what content you're going to make. So it's like above and beyond what we all had to go through. Yeah. It's like, now yeah, we got to perform. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I definitely can see that. Um, Matt, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. This will definitely not be the last time you're, uh, you're sent an invitation to come on the show. There's always, always lots of fun topics. Like, yeah, you will be back whether you like it or not. Or Taylor will show up outside. Or Taylor, yeah, and we know that Taylor, Taylor's got the history there. Uh, But thank you so much for doing this, Matt. It was great to have you on again. No problem. Thanks, Thanks you guys, and happy 200th. Thanks, Matt. Yes, thanks, Matt. Our next guest is an absolute throwback. This is a treat because a former guest host from the first ever year of screening in Kingston, we are welcoming back Ben. Ben, welcome back to the show. Well, thank you so much. And we're meeting remotely. And the first thing it said on my screen when you started recording was health check, doing a health check. And then it said, <laughs> it said health check passed. So I guess I'm good enough to be on the show. If it had said uh, you have heart problems, I might have had to go to the bathroom <laughs> yes. for a second. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Then you would have been kicked out of the recording immediately. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't. You can never I be obviously, too careful, wouldn't have been but... good enough to be on the show. We exactly. were talking before we started that I once uh, filled in for Taylor in that in that episode all those years ago, and I'm I'm pretty sure Mike, I I completely pissed you off in that episode because was that the time I was telling you that Thanos was right? 
No, no, you told me that during a squash game, not on air. Um, oh, that right, episode, oh. you did. We were arguing that episode about um, about the acting in the favorites and how you believed it was so oh, much yeah. more of an elevation. And I was saying, what are you talking about? I could see great acting even in Captain America's Civil War. And I was saying that Tony Stark, like Robert Downey Jr. in that movie was better, but because of the genre, people are downgrading it. And you disagreed. And we made our fans angry, actually. we got You got some hate mail. I, I <laughs> so, <laughs> so. You know, Mike, there's something, there's just something about you that makes me want to argue. And and, uh, okay. and 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 say things and say and say things that'll just make you mad. Like yeah. you know, I'm kind of in the Martin Scorsese school of thought about uh, Marvel <laughs> movies. Uh, no, I'm just don't, I won't go there. unless you want to go there. I won't go there. No, uh, we're not I, going there because that's an absolute dumb comment. That Martin Scorsese, honestly, he sounds like an old fool when he when he talks about that kind of stuff. That's what it ben, sounds like. Sounds like an old fool is know what he's talking about. Ben, you're um, not the you're not the first person on our on this episode to say that there's something about Mike that makes them want to be con contrarian. So, yeah, what is it about my personality that makes everybody want to? Well, what what, what makes it worse is that the moment I become contrarian, you freak out and become even more contrarian, and then I can't and then I can't help myself. I've got to go there. So you, you know the, dig the, deep. You know, Marvel movies being like amusement parks, it's not necessarily an insult. I like amusement parks. I have a lot of fun at Disneyland. I have a lot of fun watching Captain America. Uh, it's kind of the same thing, though, isn't it? No, it's absolutely not. It absolutely isn't. <laughs> Captain, no, Captain America, first, number one, is a character that has been built and has way more gravitas than people give him credit. But they discount it because, oh, we're going to see a Marvel movie and they spent $2 billion, so we have to, like, thumb our noses to people who spend a lot of money on things, even though they're the biggest job creators, right, in the entire like, Mike, I'm going to cut you off. This, this is actually a great se segue. <laughs> no, there's a great segue here, guys. There's a great segue. Where was... Yes. Okay, hold on. Follow yeah. me here. Where was Captain America built, as you say? Where was he built? Through Well, through comic books. Exactly. Was he built in the films? A little bit. But a little to bit. really appreciate the character, you've got to read the books, right? You yes, that's the, the source the material. 100%. Same thing with video games, right? You have so with video games turned into movies, you have these massive experiences for people where they spend, you know, in some cases thousands of hours playing these games, right? Mm -hmm. The game mm -hmm. themselves, they might have a playthrough of maybe fifty hours or a hundred hours or something like that, but you can replay and replay and replay ad infinitum, and that experience bottled into an hour and a half, two hour movie or a few of them is is not going to have nearly the same impact. And it's always going to be disappointing to people who spent all these times in these games. Because, I mean, there's, there's much more to talk about here, but I think there is actually a, an inter interesting um, corollary between how comic book movies are made Mm -hmm. And how our superhero movies and how video game movies are made. And right. I'm not saying that they're just bad. I'm saying that there's an interesting dilemma that a filmmaker faces, which they have this immense amount of lore. Lord of the Rings or the Rings of Power, which is the new series on Amazon based on the material before the Lord of the Rings took place, is a similar thing. You have an enormous amount of lore. What do you choose to make your film? And if you choose whatever you choose, you're not going to be able to build the characters or or set up the plot in the way that the the books have done or the comic books have done or the video game has done. That's going to be appreciated by the people who 
enjoyed that first. It might be appreciated yeah. by, by people who don't read the stuff or don't play the games. But even then, you know, are you really telling the best story that you can? Anyways, that's no. You I, I up, thought that was yeah. a good segue. It is a good segue because that's what we're going to talk about in your segment here. We're going to talk about video game movie adaptations um, and how they often suck. One of the things you said that was very interesting to me was saying that it's, it is hard and it is difficult. And no matter what, it, that's a difficult task for a filmmaker. And I think we can all agree. But I also think we can agree in terms of critical response, fan response, because those things are often dis- di- different, and audience response, I can name probably 10 to 15 superhero movies that are all in the positive side. I can name one video game movie and that's Sonic that everybody seemed to really enjoy that that was based on a video game. I think you're too close to the source material with Marvel because (laughs) Ben, Ben hit on a really great point in that where was the Captain America character built? He was built in the comic books. So someone who hasn't read the comic books or using the the video game analogy, someone who hasn't played the game, they don't have all that back backstory. So remember how I was forced to watch the first Captain America movie? <laughs> yes, you were forced, yes. <laughs> and what did I say? I said, wow, I really loved that Red Skull guy. I wish the movie was about him, right? I don't I disagree read, with that, actually. I didn't read all the comic books where all of that lore about Hydra and... <laughs> You know, the Nazi scientists were developed. So I think I I agree with Ben. Like, yeah, I, Ben, you would have liked that episode. That was Taylor basically being like, "Red Skull's awesome," yeah. just like even Thanos is great. Like, <laughs> that was basically your takeaway. Hey, I I was never, like, Where's I the Red Skull said, movie? <laughs> I think Thanos is a fantastic character, but more to the point, he was right. You know. Okay, we're gonna move on. I'm just gonna <laughs> um, come on. Oh, you, did you hear that bait, Taylor? Do you hear me throw that bait in? Yeah. He so, so wanted to so take Taylor, it. He's he so Taylor, he was in the middle of our squash games. Like so, the, the, we talked about this when Ben came on the show before. Ben and I played squash several times a week when we were both in. Kingston. I remember. And prior to COVID. Prior to COVID, yes, this is weird. Very safe. He would throw these things out there just to make me mad in the middle of the game, and then we'd spend fifteen minutes arguing as opposed to playing. The squash it's kinda, game, and I'd be so mad. Ben, I appreciate the the impulse, but it's kind of cheating in squash because you would get well, Mike so riled up. I'm sure you could win the squash I, game. I, I would call it angle shooting. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I wouldn't say cheating so much. Also, he did the same thing to me. He would just look at me. I'd see that face and I'd get mad, you know? <laughs> So, like, to say that I was cheating by bringing stuff up, I mean, just looking at Mike sometimes can throw you off your game, right? So, um, good good thing you guys are doing a podcast, right? Yeah, I don't have to look at his mug anymore. Yeah, but Taylor and I never have to see each other. <laughs> um, but, but, so, no, there's a lot of interesting stuff here. So, one thing that's interesting about comic book movie adaptations or superhero movies or whatever is that, you know, they've Marvel has done a terrific job of taking an entire oeuvre of material and Mm -hmm. bringing it to the masses, most of whom have never read the comic books, never been exposed to Marvel before, might now go into the comic books a bit, but the vast majority aren't interested in doing that and aren't going to do that. But they built... Take that, Taylor. But they built built characters... Well, I mean, the the proof is in the pudding. I mean, they've Mm -hmm. sold tickets to these movies, made billions and billions of dollars. I saw, you know, those infographics of statistics that show... 
um, over time, the mm-hmm. number one movie, number two movie. And it was like the, yeah. the top Disney movies. And in the 90s, you had the Disney Renaissance when Aladdin and The Lion King and Beauty and the Beast came out and became the top grossing movies for Disney. Those are nothing compared to the modern generation of Marvel movies, Star Wars as well, which is now Disney property, but um, they've just blown these other movies out of the water in terms of their mass appeal, right? So they've done something right, uh, regardless of what Martin Scorsese or Ben Charland say about <laughs> these films, they've done something right. I enjoy them. I really do. Um, but they but they can't capture the immensity of material for the diehard fans. But here's the problem with, with video game movies. So especially like Angry Birds movie or the Pokemon movie or um, uh, they're making a Tetris movie, apparently, <laughs> right? They're making they are making these movies. Who's going to go see them? Kids. They're, they're for kids. kids, kids right. And yeah, most kids. of these kids have played the game. They've already entered into the IP. And so they're going to see them and they're going to and they're going to be what? What was so funny about oh, just... IP? No, because I was no, no. It was not that. It was it was the kids movie, and now I'm thinking like I know it's not a video game, but the first thing that came to mind when you said that was the emoji movie, which but is just like another one, yeah. A complete and total ridiculous concept as to how you would ever get this to a movie, but they're so desperate to go after previous existing IP that they think will draw people to the theater. Like they, no one has confidence anymore in new ideas. So they just pull from this garbage. And right. the fact that you like, I've never heard, I didn't hear that there's going to be a Tetris movie. What would the plot of a Tetris movie be? Like, be like having a, a Pong movie. <laughs> yeah, Is there a Pong movie? It. No, you could do it. I mean, uh, you know, f- hire a writer and they can come up with a clever, fun way of doing this, which is using Tetris as a background. I mean, when I heard there was a Sonic the Hedgehog movie in the first place, I just thought, what? How does that, it, I, I, a platform game, with very limited story, like Super mm-hmm. Mario Bros. and all these things, but they can do it. It's not impossible. The problem is, is that you know a filmmaker has to go in and tell a very limited story, a slice of a story from a massive world, uh, but it has to appeal to the gamers. Here's the thing that's different from Marvel movies. A Marvel movie can appeal to non-comic book readers and be successful. A video game movie pretty much has to appeal to the gamers because those are the people who are going to want to go see Angry Birds, the movie, especially kids, um, but or Halo, the, you know, the Halo, which has turned into a series, or they're going to make a Borderlands movie or The Last of Us. Now, these may appeal to a wider audience, but the filmmaker and the producers know that their core audience is going to be the ones who have played the game. The problem is that's, th- that's also the same audience that can never be satisfied with the movie because yeah. the game is always going to be so much better, in part right. because a game does things that a film can't. A, a game puts you in the driver's seat. A game exists in your own mind and allows you to have agency over the world and make decisions that change the things around you. A film is a passive experience. You sit back and let it happen. That is never going to have the same visceral, emotional impact as someone playing a game. I mean, so they've tried. They've tried, they've tried to do with Netflix, like choose sort of a choose your own adventure stuff. And they've tried. Right, right. And I think that if you're, you know, there's a lot. So Uncharted is another example, which had Tom Holland in it. Mm. Uh, this is a, a heralded uh, video game series, very action packed. Um, and the problem is, is the video game series is already kind of like a movie. 
They've right. got tons of cinematics. The gameplay itself feels like a movie. And so now you're just going to go into the theater for two hours and watch someone else play the character that you played even better uh, <laughs> for a lot longer. So how is that going to be successful? Now, you're still going to want to see it because you're a huge fan of the franchise. And so these that's the thing. These movies still pull in huge amounts of ticket sales. They might have a 28% review score on Rotten Tomatoes, but they make immense amounts of money. So the studios are going to keep making them. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, but if we, you know, I'm not, I, I'm interested in the art of making films and I like a good film and I'm not going to get mad that these movies are taking over or whatever. Like that's kind of a silly thing. People will see what they want to see. Um, but there is a, a question of artistry here. And here's an interesting example. This is not technically uh, a series based on a video game, but in reality it is. It's The Witcher um, on, on Netflix. There's a series of books in Poland by Andrzej Subkowski um, uh, called The Witcher. Well, they're not called The Witcher. They have many different names, but the main character is The Witcher. These were turned into a very successful series of video games, especially The Witcher 3, which is seen as one of the greatest games of all time by some, or at least of the last 10 years. Very successful uh, action RPG where you play the Witcher, a character that is definitely created for you, as opposed to a lot of video games where you create your own character and then live in the world. The Witcher is a very clearly defined character from the beginning. They've done a series. Now, it's there's mixed reviews about this series, but it has been successful, and a lot of people who are fans of The Witcher, both of the books and the movies, like the show. Now, it's a TV show, so you have longer than two hours to get into the character and to get into the action and to tell a story. But this has been successful because the series is doing something a little bit different from what the games are doing. It's, it's telling a long-form story, and it's, 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 you know, these are books where very clear things happen, but the games have to pick a slice of what they want to talk about. The, mo- the series can tell the whole sweeping story again like lord of the rings um i'm interested to see where it's going to go but i guess what i'm saying is is that it it kind of is a video game adaptation is because most of the people who are watching the series are going to be familiar with the game before they're going to be familiar with the books right um and they're also there's images there's scenes of of uh henry cavill in the hot tub which is clearly a throwback to the game as opposed to the the books Ben, I have a quick question for you. I haven't read the books, played the video game, or seen the series. But um, I do know that Henry the Lead is a known gamer. Like, that's part of his, like, persona. And apparently he's like an encyclopedia when it comes to The Witcher. Do you think that his love for the game and the books is influencing why this is becoming a successful adaptation? Or it's inconsequential i can't say that word it doesn't matter yeah Yeah. like does it just not matter that he's a big fan um well it's kind it's a difficult one that's kind of like a uh um what do you call it um and oh there's a there's a word for this when something a, a counterfactual right because i could you could probably disprove that by referencing someone who was in a movie who had no idea, what, like Lord of the Rings. There were people, there were actors in those movies who had never read the books, didn't care right. about the material, and did a wonderful job, right? It, it, you know, it's more important, of course, that the writer and director have a good grasp of the material. Mm-hmm. But Henry Cavill is not just an actor on set. Like, this is a, this is a star celebrity actor, 
who's yeah. going to have pull over the material, who's going to be talking with the writers in the writer's room, who's going to be having conversations with the director, kind of like Tom Cruise in every Tom Cruise movie. Yeah. He's going to have an imprint on the creation of the movie, not just his performance. And I think Henry Cavill is probably in the same boat, in part because he's a celebrity, but also because he's a fan. So I would say in this case, yes, that makes it better um, or at least closer to the material. But right. you can't you can't beat passion when someone no. who is the lead uh, in any project is passionate about it and cares about it and puts their soul into it. That's going to make a difference. Um, it, it maybe more so than the detailed reasons or or explanations he has about certain things or corrections he has on set. Just the passion is going to fill him with uh, a sort of a verve and a mythos that we can see when we watch it on a screen, I think. And I, I think that that does, you can really tell, I really believe when someone's not passionate about the material, when they are lazily slapping something together, maybe it's just the only movies that Martin Scorsese has seen for, for Marvel movies were before Marvel Studios. Like that, but that's the thing, superhero movies were trash in the 90s. They weren't considered anything like they they went through a change as well. So I think you can tell when someone's passionate about the material and you can tell when they're not and they're just doing it for a paycheck. We're almost out of time, Ben. So I want to give you a few minutes to plug what you're working on right now, because I think it's cool. And I think a lot of our fans are going to be interested. So talk to us about what you're doing right now. Well, I'm trying to figure out a way to make what I'm doing uh, make you angry, Mike, but I can't, I can't figure it out to start up another debate just because I want more time talking to you guys. Really? Um, no, I'm, I'm working on, I'm, I'm I'm, I'm considering a change of career and moving into video games, um, into writing for developing video games. And it's something that I actually have, I've certainly been a, uh, a player of games for my whole adult life and much of my childhood. Um, but I've never had any hand in creating them. I don't know anybody who develops games. Um, and so I thought, okay, this, this would be interesting because I am a writer and I thought it would be a, a good career to go into. So I'm just at the beginning of researching that. I'm not just jumping in. I've got other responsibilities. I have a family to feed. And so I'm, uh, I'm slowly building up a portfolio of writing. I've also got a YouTube series and newsletter um, where I'm essentially opening up my process to other people to follow me starting from square zero where I know nothing and becoming somewhat experienced in order to go into this industry. So there is a website, um, backwardsmotorcycle.com. It's oh, what a name. Spelled, spelled exactly as you read it, backwardsmotorcycle.com. Uh, and uh, you can go there, you can sign up for the newsletter, see the, the uh, video series, and uh, just get a sense of what I'm working on. And I thought it was interesting to share it publicly to show um, someone who's truly new to this, but also older. You know, I'm 37 years old. I've, I've, like I said, I've got a family. I've got a career or two behind me, um, and I'm, I'm not. Uh, I certainly am not a kid just starting up new. I don't have the same neuroplasticity as other people, so you can probably just watch me fail and uh, not remember things as well as some kid who's getting into it. But um, I wonder how much my experience will serve me, especially as a writer going into this. And anyways, it's a, it's a sort of a document publicly of my process. And again, it's backwardsmotorcycle.com. And uh, yeah, um, I, the video series and the newsletter are probably the best ways to interact. Yeah. But people can send me an email and ask me a question and um, give me their advice, frankly. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's that's awesome. Yeah, definitely. Uh, if you're listening and it sounds like something you're interested in, I know some of our fans will be interested in this. Definitely check out the YouTube series. I'm a I'm a weekly uh, viewer of that. There's a lot of really cool things that uh, you go into. I'm about two episodes behind, so I've got to catch up. Um, but uh, up until like episode 18 or 19, I was right there every single week. There's a lot of cool things. There's an entire, my favorite episode, an entire episode on board games and talking about that in connection to video games. So I think that's really cool. So thank you, uh, Ben, for, for com- first coming on the show again. It's great to kind of have you back and talk despite you trying to make me angry for some reason. Um, and uh, thank you for plugging your project. I think it's a really cool journey. Um, you can't make me mad about that project because I'm in full support of it. And I think people should definitely go check out. So hopefully some of our listeners will give your series a try. But thank you, Ben, for joining us. Thanks, Ben. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. Okay. Our next guest uh, we've we've had on the show for really years. I don't know how many times, but it's our TIFF correspondent, plus some other things. We've done, we've actually done quite a few episodes um, with Nicole, friend of Taylor, friend of show, TIFF correspondent Nicole. Welcome back to the show. Hello, everybody. Happy you know, anniversary. Thank you. <laughs> do, do you know how many times you've been on the show, Nicole? Because I know it's it's been more than just a couple TIFF ones, because I know we've brought you for other things. At least well. eight. Yeah. Eight. I feel like, yeah, probably about that. It's definitely been more than three. I think we've done th- minimally three three or four TIFF ones at this point. Like at this least, year will yeah. be four. Yeah. We've done a lot and of then ones, yeah. we had the movie club with Tyler. So th- I think that was four. Oh, yeah. Because oh, yeah, that was like four episodes or something. Yeah. yeah. That, that was, was a, fun. So much fun. Tyler Rance. Oh, my God. Uh, we'll also be making a return uh, on this show uh, as well. Um, but thank you for joining us, Nicole. Um, it's really great to have you. And, and you get to be at the whim of our fans. So you get to see how it's like for us and Taylor every week. Um I love it. Fans tell us what to do. This is another fan voted section. So they voted for you to talk about the best music biopics. Um, they had quite a few things to choose from, including uh, talking about Canadian actors. Um, I don't remember what else was in your category, but I remember. Nicole's Hot Takes. Oh, Nicole's Hot Takes. I'm really disappointed that didn't uh, win. So I don't know. We got to bring you back to just get your hot takes. Oh, no. I don't know if you'll want my hot takes. I was making a brutal list of hot takes just in, like in anticipation. And yeah. I, I would get a lot of haters. So I'm going That's fine. The, Take okay. the heat off Taylor. Yeah. <laughs> and, so we'll and, me, and me that one time. <laughs> we'll save that for another episode. Yeah, but we definitely. Mike, a little background. Nicole trained as an opera singer and is a big fan of music. So that's why I thought there isn't a there couldn't be a more Nicole voting category than music biopics. And you know our fans like music biopics. Like they've talked about it before. We're on like CFRC, lots of music gets played there. Like we talked music picks a lot, and I think we've we've really been harsh to them. So it's nice to do something positive. With an expert. <laughs> yes, exactly. Someone who actually watched it. So, Nicole, what have you prepared for us? What's what's your thoughts on some music biopics? Well, I mean, I basically have a list of five music biopics. And I'm like, maybe I just list them off and y'all tell me if you love them or you hate them. All right. Let's do it. <laughs> okay. These are in no particular order, just so we all know. Okay. Um, I'm going to have to start off with... Uh, 1993's What's Love Got to Do With It. I knew 
I knew it. I, I knew, knew it. you knew. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Great movie. Great, Great movie. movie. But, uh, which is, of course, Tina and Ike Turner. Yes. It's a yes. biopic starring Angela Bassett, like the greatest arms ever, and Lawrence Fishburne. I'm pretty sure it's Lawrence Fishburne. Yeah, that's definitely him. Um, and yeah, playing Ike and Tina Turner in a very tumultuous, it's actually like, just for anybody who hasn't seen it, it's kind of disturbing. So just go in. Graphic. Yeah, knowing that it is it is a roller coaster of emotions. Interesting. I've never seen it and I don't, I'm not familiar with the band. <gasps> you don't, don't know, know Tina, Tina Turner? Turner? Not off the top of my head. Stop. Like, uh, the, you know, uh, what's the song, Nicole? <laughs> Her biggest one. What's uh, love got to do with it? Well, well yes, yes. Yeah. But, you know, the one she sings with Ike when they take it nice and slow. Proud Mary. Yeah, Proud Mary. That's a huge radio hit. Uh, doesn't ring a bell again off the top of my head. I'm sure if I, like, did some research, just saw a picture and looked into it, like, maybe. But, like, yeah. As a reminder, know. Mike does not listen to music. Yes, I'm not a big music person. <laughs> Wait, also, Mike didn't know the story of Princess Diana. So, like, I don't know why I'm surprised. Sorry. Mike. Yeah, I, but Princess Diana wasn't a singer, was she? No, but, like, it was arguably, like, really big she's, news that everybody oh, knows about. I was busy bigger than Tina Turner, and Tina Turner's huge. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) No, I I don't. I don't. Off the top of my head, I couldn't tell you any. I couldn't tell you who Tina Turner is. That's so sad. Okay, I'm moving. I'm moving on to the next. (laughs) Okay. Here we go. I'm going in order of like years they were released. So uh, my next, my next pick is Selena. Yes, Nicole. This would have been my second one. (laughs) Like Gomez. What? Oh my! <laughs> She's a singer. <sighs> Mike, no, no. Okay, all right. Celia Quintanilla, come yeah, on. J Lo played her. I just saw on Instagram. It was like which which J Lo movie could stay, and of course J- like Jennifer Selena. Lopez. Yeah, yeah. I know Jennifer her. Lopez played yeah. Selena in this movie. Jenny and from it's the like, Block. Yes. <laughs> It's like, obviously, that's the J-Lo movie that can stay. Can I just tell a little side story? Yes. Growing up, watching this movie, thought it was, I thought J-Lo was Selena. Same. (laughs) Like, I didn't, I couldn't in my mind. I thought you were, I thought you were kind of watching like a a band documentary. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ruin the ending, but it, the movie's old and it's based on a real person. So if you don't know how it ends. I think you can ruin the, like, if it's biopics and they're older movies, I think you can. She's talk. murdered by the president of her fan club. So oh. I thought, yeah, wow. you just witnessed a murder growing up. Nice. I thought, yeah, yeah. So this okay. happened. This actually oh. happened. Like this happened. To the in scene. real life. Yes. Yeah. But in, oh, yeah. in the movie, it is, it's not <laughs> Selena. It is J-Lo um, playing Right. But great pick, Nicole. Yes, already oh two for two. Thank you so much. And we just have to like do a little rest in peace, Selena. She was only yes. 23 when she passed away. And she's like, three. Yeah. Horrible story. Wow, yeah, absolutely. That's... Like, again, like gut wrenching. Just like, yeah, that's awful. I'm not picking like happy, fun movies here. Well, most biopics aren't happy, fun times. No. No, I'm looking at them all and I'm like, yeah, these are pretty brutal, most of them. Um, any hoosers so selena we all know and love um next i'm gonna go i feel like taylor you're gonna guess this one anyway like you know this one's gonna be on my list 
It was made in 2001, and it is called Life with Judy Garland, Me and My Shadows. I don't know if we ever watched this one together, Nicole. Really? I'm sure we did. I am sure. And it was like, it's like the, it's like two and a half hours, a made for TV movie based on like Judy Garland's daughter's memoir, I believe. And Judy Davis is in it. And that chick from The Invitation is in it. Uh, her name is Tammy Blanchard. She played like young Judy Garland. You know, I just, for whatever reason, I'm really conflating it with the Marilyn Monroe made for TV. Oh my TV. gosh, what a disaster. <laughs> but oh, you know, Mira it, Sorvino and Ashley Judd, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but oh it gosh. just, I mean, I'm sh- I'm sure we did watch this one together, but for whatever reason, the, the Marilyn Monroe one is like really sticking in my mind. Well, also, yeah, because it's like disturbing. <laughs> I didn't realize that Judy Garland died when she was 47. Yeah, she was young. All of these people. Way hey, too Carl, young. Here's uh, she was in Wizard of Oz, right? Yes. yes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, see, I know this one. I Hey, I'm one for three. I know. That. I didn't know she was a singer. I mean, aside what? from... No, I mean, like, I knew she sang... <laughs> let me reiterate. I knew she sang in The Wizard of Oz. I just thought she was, like, an actor who happened to sing. Well, yes, yeah, here's... Like, oh, yeah, career. yeah, yeah. Here's a... Uh, to throw a monkey wrench in your rankings... Does that count as a musical biopic? Because she was like a, <gasps> you know, she just like Mike said, she was an actor first that happened to sing in MGM productions. I well, think... did she did she have an album or anything? Or... Oh, many. many. Oh, really? Yeah. Many. Oh, yeah. She like more than one. Singing. Which yeah. Oh, more yeah. Than... Okay. Oh, then okay. it counts. Then it yeah, counts. yeah, yeah. Then, it, then it's got to count if she's oh, got yeah. multiple albums. Jeez, I didn't. Like, I honestly had no idea that she actually oh, yeah. had a music career. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She like toured, like she did this big show. I mean, it was, I think a couple nights at Carnegie Hall, but it was recorded live and it was just all her music from, this was right before she passed away. It was all her music from um, just like through the years that people know her so well from. And she's just like a friggin' sensation and also super sad. Just yeah, another you know, really sad, another really sad, harrowing story. Yeah. Um, and okay, so I'm going to move on to the next one, which I'm sure, Taylor, I made you watch it. It's called La Vie en Rose, and it's from 2007. It's about Edith Piaf. Um, we didn't watch this one together, but I'm sure you wanted me to watch it. But I was like, yeah. not your vibe. Yes, I understand. <laughs> yeah. So, so I haven't seen this one. I haven't seen this one. Well, I would recommend if anybody's interested in reading subtitles, I believe like Mar- Marin Cotillard won an Oscar for this movie. And it was like hands down absolutely incredible about this french singer does she um, sing in the movie or is she doing the singing i think she sings a little tiny bit like she sung live but then they um dubbed her voice over mm. but that's the that's voice that would be hard to to like replicate. reproduce yeah yeah but it was incredible like it's her throughout the whole movie including again edith piaf was like 46 when she died um and she just like she looks like completely 47 she was 47 when she died and marion cotillard undergoes this wild transformation from like a super young like teenager singing on the streets of paris into like her very last show as a 47 year old woman but she because she was i believe she had a lot of um addictive behaviors and might have been an addict towards the end of her life and so wikipedia describes it as hard living and cancer 
Ah, great. Yes, there we go. Um, but yeah, incredible movie. Again, like really not like a musical comedy, but right, right. you know, incredible. Okay, I haven't seen you. Oh, I haven't seen all four of these so far. So, wow. <laughs> so there you go. Oh, for four for my. Oh, for four. Okay, <laughs> but I've heard of one of them. The, which one oh. have you heard of? Uh, the 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 uh, um. Uh, no. Um, Judy Garland. What's love got to Judy do? Garland. Yeah, Judy Garland. Well, I know you've who that heard is. Heard of the person? Yes. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, yeah. So I'm one for four of those. Fair enough. I love your ranking system. Okay, great. Okay, my my final pick is The Runaways from 2010. I knew. I knew it. I knew you knew it. This is controversial. I will say. I don't like this one. Nobody does except for me. I will stand by it though. I'm here what for the highways to pants. Mike what, doesn't what, know what this band. Oh no? my gosh. So it's the Runaways and they were Oh, that's the name of the band. <laughs> yeah. But also it, the name of the biopic. Yeah. You know who Joan Jett is though, right? Like Joan Jett and the Blackhearts? No. No. Okay, great. So, <laughs> it's a big deal to the like to people who like are into 70s like rock. Like it was the first one of the first, not the first, one of the first all female rock bands. But they were like teenagers they were like 14 15 16 Teenage years old dirt bags oh yeah okay. yeah and it's with dakota fanning and everybody's favorite Kristen stewart plays joan ah, jett that's probably why taylor hasn't seen it i've seen it and i don't like it oh is that why you didn't like it <laughs> uh yeah i really don't like her and i just don't like it's one of those movies where i watched it and i like don't really remember it afterwards so like clearly it didn't make much of an impact but i will say dakota fanning was good like yes. she always like she was really good in the movie but like this isn't to be fair you're very attached to this band and to this era of rock oh history. yeah i'm not invested in the band the way you are and i think personally this really impacts someone's experience of a biopic. And I brought this oh, up yeah. before with like Elvis and with, um, with uh, uh, the queen one, uh, Bohemian oh, Rhapsody. Yes. If you don't like the band or like, you don't know all their songs, it's kind of like, eh, you know, Wait, did you all like Bohemian Rhapsody though? No, no. it was terrible. Right. But like, yeah, I was queen. <laughs> yeah. but like that was just a bad movie. It was oh, a bad yeah, movie. Yeah. It was yeah, so poorly done. Yeah, it was, it was so just not bad. good. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm so glad we And I will say, I don't know any of Selena's music, but I think the Selena biopic is just a great movie. Yeah. I don't know any of these, and just you quickly describing them, they're of more interest to me than Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh yeah, I mean, they're objectively better. Except for maybe the Runaways for Taylor specifically, but like... Right, right. <laughs> but for but like, you, the Runaways is a big one. For me, but yeah, I mean, like, keep in mind with all of my picks, I mean, I am very much biased and like my experiences are completely like tainted by, you know, what I enjoy. You either grew up with the movie or you really like the band. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, Like I'm fully, I am, I'm absolutely biased in this, but like, what are, do you all have a favorite music, um, music biopic? I think in terms of like. I haven't watched it in a million years, but like Selena, like, like I said, like that's a good movie, right? Like that, that's probably the gold standard in terms of musical biopics. Mm. Um, Yeah. So that would be my top of top choice. I like 
the moment in every music biopic when the movie's over. What? And I can leave the theater. That's like, that's my moment. I don't think I've seen a music biopic other than maybe Rocket Man that I actually thought was like a good movie. I love it. Oh, yeah. Rocket Man Man was Um, so good. But also that was because I thought, like, I know who Elton John is. I know all his music. And Taron Edgerton did phenomenal. That was an amazing performance. Oscar worthy. But I, I have a problem. He was rock. Yeah, very rock. I have a problem with music biopics just because they're all uh, the same. The ones I've seen are all the well, same. Well, it is a formula. Every it's single a genre. You, it, it is a genre, yeah. and I get that. And I do understand that the culture of music has certain elements to it that end up happening, and addiction becomes a big thing. But that's it's always that. It's almost never anything else. There's no so, addiction in Selena. Yeah, so no. that sounds like it's very different and that like f- obsessed fan and stuff like that. Like that's different to me. There's I haven't also seen anything an, like that. There's no addiction in What's Love Got to Do. Well, there's like a, a touch of it, but like it's, it's only it's it's merely a note of uh, yeah, special abuse. Yep. Trigger warning, everybody. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't say like drug abuse is at the forefront of What's Love Got to Do with it. Yeah. So maybe maybe you might like it better possibly yeah i guess i guess i'm just tainted by the ones i've seen and like watching them and being like wow like your (laughs) your lives yes tough weighs on you absolutely you're also multi-millionaires doing the thing you claim to love and i get that other people ruin that for people but it's just time and time again i'm like okay come on like this is you this might like the Judy again. Garland story. Yeah, oh, yeah. she did yeah. not love. She oh, I'll, I'll, doing I'll check this. I'll check it out for sure. I definitely, again, as I said, these five sound way better than any of the ones I've ever seen. So I'm, I'm definitely. I think you just need to give the genre a fair shake. Yeah, that's fair. Like Bohemian Rhapsody is like bottom of the barrel when we're yeah, talking about. Yeah, yeah. and you and like, didn't like most... Cole Miner's daughter. But like no, Cole Meyer's daughter, I didn't like either. Oh, was sissy interesting? Space, yeah, that's on my list. I know I'm I gonna like it, it then because Mike, Mike didn't like it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a good barometer for some people. <laughs> um, well, this this was great, Nicole. Like, thank you for for doing this and bringing your list. I think this is exactly what people wanted to hear. Is like, what are some good ones? What are some ones that don't get bashed by Taylor yeah. and Mike? So, well, thank looking- you so much for doing that. Of course. I want to hear what the audience's hot takes are if they hate any of the ones that I've listed. Yeah. I mean, people can write in definitely yeah. and let us know if you've seen any of these and, and what you think of them. And then I'm, I don't know, Taylor, I think we've got to now bring Nicole back for, for Nicole's hot takes for some episodes. Yes. We've got to, we'll find Agreed. room for that because I'm very fascinated. And it I will can, be it very messy, but that's what oh, the shit. fans love. But that's, and that's one, that's what our fans love. And two, I also don't find it's your opinion. So oh, yeah. it, it's neither right nor wrong. It just is what it is. We can have a good discussion about it. Maybe we can disagree. That's good radio. And maybe we agree. Who knows? Love that for us. Perfect. Um, thank you again, Nicole, for, for coming back. This was, this was great. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. And there you have it. That's Nicole, our TIFF correspondent. So next we have a very special guest. This is a first time appearance on the show, but has written in pretty much every single episode, at least from a certain point, writes in questions every single week. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Josh the Inquisitor. Josh, how are you? I'm doing great, Mike. How are you doing? 
Not too bad. Um, I'm excited to have you on here because we're going to uh, question you relentlessly for about 10 to 15 minutes, um, which is what you do to us every week. So, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, we're going to turn the tables. Um, and Taylor, I don't know um, what exactly you're going to ask, and you don't know what I'm going to ask, but we're going to really just find out today who is Josh the Inquisitor as a movie watcher? What, what does Josh the Inquisitor do? Mike, I don't even know what questions I'm going to ask. Uh, well, that's good. I'm glad you. I'm glad you felt so comfortable with our audience to just explain that uh, throughout this. But yeah, throughout this me- mega episode that we're doing. But good, good. Um, shall we get started, everybody? Yes. Let's do it. Okay, Josh the Inquisitor. Question number one: Could you describe to everybody your movie-going etiquette? <laughs> uh, yep. That so, sounded accusatory. Um, yeah, Mike. Answer the question, issue. please. <laughs> Mike has a big <laughs> issue with me at the movie theater with him. Um, I'm a, a big fan of uh, going to the bathroom like and trying to time it perfectly so that when I return, the movie is starting. And oh. for whatever reason, that, that greatly upsets Mike. Not for whatever reason. Don't make it sound like I'm crazy. That's not what happens. He's underplaying it, Taylor. This is not. Uh, no, Josh, I, is I have like it down a, to a science. Like during the trailers, like you're not watching a- absolutely. the trailers. Oh no! Like oh, the bold. maybe halfway through the second to last trailer, maybe like the start of the last trailer, I am gone and I am back, like for that movie switching on, and it just. You can visibly see Mike's blood pressure raising when I get out of my seat. So this is the thing. This isn't... Yes, thank you, Taylor. And this is the thing. It's not just Josh and I by ourselves in a movie theater. I used to do... This is before the pandemic, obviously. I used to do these big movie nights where I would have like 10 to 15 people and we'd all go see the latest big movie. And you have to organize 10 to 15 people with all the nuances that they have of requests of where they like to sit. Some people are talkative, so they want to be sat with people who are talkative, who won't annoy other people. People obviously have significant others or people they like have crushes on. So you got to sit them like beside each other and navigate all that. So I have to purchase all the tickets, gather everyone at my place, get them all to the movie theater so everybody's not like late and we all get there on time. Make sure everyone's seated. Make sure everyone has the washroom breaks they need. Make sure everyone gets their concession. And then Josh only does this to annoy me when he knows it bothers me so much he could go a few minutes earlier it wouldn't impact him he's not gonna like have to pee hey, in the middle of the movie like, it's fine. maybe hmm? there's a medical issue josh isn't comfortable disclosing no oh, i don't no. care it's, i don't it's totally <laughs> bother, <Mike>. there's no, <laughs> there's no medical don't give him credit josh i was gonna get i was giving you an out <laughs> no let's call a spade a spade once i realized it bugged him it just became a, a pastime so yeah there you go that's the first question thank you for answering as truthfully as you're capable of okay taylor you're up i was wondering josh and i'm sure our fans are wondering you're able to write in every week often the questions are very timely mike said no he doesn't even listen to the show he doesn't know what we're talking about but yet you still I don't know, like last couple of weeks, they were very spot on. So my question is, how do you think of the questions to ask us each week? Uh, well, I, I do try to listen to the show as often as I can. Um, there was probably a month or two period where it kind of went by the wayside. Um, but I do usually listen to the show 
Um, so that kind of gives me a lot of the ideas, like especially if I know what you guys are going to be talking about the next week. Um, and other than that, honestly, I just try to go with, okay, what do I know about whatever you guys are talking about? <laughs> and what don't I know? And then sometimes it's like, hey, this would be a funny question. To, or I'm just like, oh, well, that, like, for example, with the two directors, uh, I guess it would be two weeks ago from the time of this recording. Um, I just happened to notice when I was looking up the movies that both of them were first time directors. So I was like, well, that's easy enough. Why not go with that? Oh, so you do research. Again, I. A little I, bit. I am so impressed, Mike and Josh, that our listeners do 10 times. The work <laughs> when writing in that you and I put into the show. The fans truly make the show what it is. So thank you, Josh, for researching. See, I didn't I didn't even know who the director of my movie was, let alone, <laughs> let alone that they were new. So anyways, great answer. Thank you. Next question, you. Mike. Okay, next question for you. Um, and this one, this one is kind of a two-parter because I'm really interested to hear kind of both these answers. So what is the last movie you saw in a movie theater? And what is the last movie you saw in a movie theater that you really liked? Oh, wow. I, I mean, I would say it's probably been over two years since I've been in a movie theater. Oh, wow. Yeah, well, where where I'm living right now, I'm about an hour away from the nearest movie theater. So it's a pretty a inconvenient, pretty inconvenient. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then with, with the pandemic and like work and my personal life and everything, like it, it's hard to justify spending an hour of my free time driving there, two hours watching the movie and then an hour driving home. Um, Josh, I'll, t- I'll tell you right now, you have not missed anything in the movie theaters the last two <laughs> That's years. so true. You have made yeah. the right decisions to stay home. I, I think so, too. Um, I can't even remember what the last movie that I went and saw was. You know what, Mike? I, I can't answer what the last one I saw in theaters was. Did but you the see last... Sonic? I did not. Nope. Oh, okay. The... The last new movie that I saw was um, Death on the Nile, which I waited until it was on Disney Plus to watch. So that was the newest movie that I've seen. That was the last movie that I've seen. Oh, oh Lord. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not and, and I guess to answer the second question, it was not uh, the last movie that I liked the most. <laughs> um, I didn't. I don't think I felt as strongly about it as you guys did, um, but... It, it also was not a, a top favorite of mine. Um, Would it have been The Greatest Showman, the last movie you saw in a movie theater? Or did you no. see more since then? No, okay. no, I have seen one or two since then. Okay. Um, the, the last one that I can visibly remember was actually Venom. Oh, Venom. Yeah, because that would have come out later. Yeah. Yeah. And then I know that there was one in between, but for the life of me, I can't remember what it was right now. So Probably not good. It was not a favorite of mine. <laughs> yeah, either. no, not a good one. You can't remember that. It's no good. Okay, Taylor, you're up. Um, I was going to ask top three favorite movies. And they don't have to be like, oh, these are like the best movies, but like three most Josh movies. Like if someone had to pick three movies to describe your tastes, what are your favorites, yada, 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 what would they be? Not not Venom, not Death on the Nile. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I have, like, 
I guess, a list of movies that I consider, like, like favorites of mine that I would, that I've gone back and watched, like, multiple times. If I was going to pick three, I would probably say The Godfather, um, The Big Short, yeah, that's a good one. And for whatever reason, National Treasure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> National I'm a, Treasure. <laughs> I'm a huge history nerd, so like just the whole premise of it has always been intriguing to me and like like the way that they did the research through the history and then Nicolas Cage is just Nicolas Cage, so oh, he's great. Yeah, it it all came together for me in that movie and like I don't know, it's just like I guess a nostalgic movie for me to go and watch. Comfort, your comfort movie. Yeah, because like, I can kind of zone out, just watch it. There's a lot of history in there. Sometimes I learn something new because I'm like, oh, I never, I forgot about that detail, you know, or... So I think those would be three of my favorites. Um, okay. there, there are many more on the list, but I guess those would be the three I would pick. Sweet. Okay, so in in the spirit of ranking, we, we both noted... Uh, like Taylor and I, that you you seem to have quite the knowledge of horror movies. You seem to like different types of horror movies. I'd love to hear your definitive ranking for the Conjuring universe and where you would rank the movies that you've seen so far. All right. So um, I guess up front, disclosure, I still have not seen The Devil Made Me Do It. Because You're not my... really missing out. It's only okay. okay. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. only okay. <laughs> So I'll exclude that it. one. You can keep it off the list. Okay. Um, the the original The Conjuring is is absolutely my my favorite of the Conjuring universe. Um, then it would go The Conjuring Two, The Nun, um, Annabelle Creation, The Curse of La Llorona. I think I said that right. Um, then Annabelle and Annabelle Comes Home. Annabelle comes home at the at the bottom. Really, at yeah. the bottom, huh? Yeah, I really like that movie. Me too. <laughs> I I have only seen it once, and I'm honestly vague on the details of it, which makes me remember that I did not enjoy it that yeah, much. Yeah, fair enough. If you can't remember the movie, <laughs> that's true. Probably... That that really tells you if it's how much can you remember it. <laughs> yeah, thing, exactly. Yeah. Like The Conjuring, I've like so many of the scenes like stick out in my mind even when i just think of the movie so like that one will always be my favorite but then as i go down the list like the less and less i remember of them which is my main indicator of like how much should i actually enjoy that movie yeah, yeah no enough. that's fair okay all right we got one more question each taylor so go ahead well i'll keep it on the horror uh horror train because we are coming up to halloween spooky season has officially begun because it is past september 1st I uh, <laughs> saw a horror movie um, in theaters just this past weekend. And, uh, well, timing doesn't matter. Anyways, at one point I saw a horror movie at the time of recording. And um, they played a couple trailers from for some horror movies. So, Josh, do you have a most anticipated horror movie that's coming out this year? Honestly, the only horror movie that I've... <clears throat> heard of that i'm kind of anticipating is actually the in the conjuring universe as well and it's the nun 2 is that um, coming I don't out think in that's, i don't i can't remember when that's coming out um i don't know if it is 2022 or 2023 
that one has been the one that I've been anticipating the most. Um, have you seen a trailer for Smile? For Smile? I have not. I would they have play, to look. They played that at the, 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 the trailer at the movie I saw. That one looks pretty good. So check out a trailer, write into us, let us know. <laughs> but uh, it doesn't look bad. So add that to your All list. All right, I will look up for that one. All right, last question for you. I'm still a little bit uh, salty on everybody jumping down my throat about Ryan Gosling. So <laughs> uh, I want I want you to give us some some of your favorite actors, male, female actors, whoever, um, that you've seen, and maybe a couple that you don't really like. Okay. Um, so some of the ones that, are my favorites i guess would be um woody harrelson will ferrell um i don't know how to pronounce his last name um jason manzukas um he's What's from he brooklyn brooklyn 99 he's he plays adrian pimento oh yeah yeah yeah. i don't know oh, yeah. Yeah. he's, he's like a oh. big character actor he's in a ton yeah. of yeah yeah and he always has those like zany unbelievable characters that he just always <laughs> delivers on yeah um nicholas cage uh anne hathaway jennifer lawrence uh i'm usually pretty happy with their performances um emma stone and then um taylor these ones i know you're not a fan of but uh <laughs> like tom hanks and scarlett johansson i have zero issues with either of them and oh. we'll see any movie they're in you know, it's funny. I won't hold it against you. <laughs> Even before Scarlett Johansson and Tom Hanks, the names you're bringing up, a lot of people have problems with. Like, people are so mixed always on Anne Hathaway for some reason. Like, she gets a lot of hate. It's Obviously, because Nicholas she's Cage a theater down. kid. They don't like mm. that she's so enthusiastic. That's yeah. the sense I get. But yeah. I don't 100% understand the hate for Jennifer Lawrence other than there's a lot for her too yeah she comes yeah. off really like um dare I say annoying in interviews <laughs> and again <laughs> I think it's I think it's like for them it's not acting it's personality I think people right. don't like their personas mm. yeah exactly and I, I always try to keep it separate from you know like what a person is like outside of the movie I'm watching yeah. Um, and I guess yeah, I'll they... segue that into the actors, the actresses that I don't like and maybe open myself up to a little bit of fire. Um, I can't stand watching mo- movies with Melissa McCarthy in them. Oh, I like I, her. I think she's funny. I, I don't know why. I Just for whatever reason, Melissa McCarthy and I just don't click. I don't, mm. I don't know why. Um, and then John Lovitz, I think is how I say his last name. Yeah, from The Wedding Singer. From The Wedding Singer, yeah. I, I'm not a fan of him either. And then Jared Leto, but I mean, yeah, you guys have talked about him at length on this show. <laughs> yes. So I think that's just fair at this point. Yeah, I, I think that is fair. Um, and yeah, Jared Leto, oh, we could get into that, but we don't have the time. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, this was great. Like, thank you, Josh, for, for coming and doing this. It's great to kind of have you finally on the show and i know taylor and i are both just impressed that you can write in as much as you do every single week so thank you for that and thank you for coming today 
Well, thank you for having me, and uh, I'm glad what started out as a way to just annoy you uh, <laughs> has segued into this nice tradition, and uh, I hope to continue doing it. Yeah, I do remember that day where you told me, I'm going to write in every single week. And I said, no, you're not. And here we are. Joke's on um, you, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you again, Josh. Um, so there you go. That's Josh the Inquisitor. All right. Our next guest is uh, Andrew, who always is up for some Marvel talk or Star Wars talk or really anything, actually, any any movie topic uh, he comes on the show for. So welcome back to the show, Andrew. Hey, thanks for having me. I really appreciate the invite to the special episode. Yeah, I mean, you've been on... How many times have you been on the show? We've been trying to do this with people. No one knows. I don't know if you know how many times you've been on. Uh, I would say maybe five or six times. Yeah. A couple Tarantino talks and a couple Marvel talks. So I'd say somewhere around five or six. Yeah, you're my go-to Marvel connection because Taylor doesn't like to see them. <laughs> yeah, I'll be uh, pretty quiet this segment. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Well, I didn't. I didn't want um, an episode. There were certain topics we knew we wanted in this in this special episode, and one of the ones I wanted was Marvel because we don't get a chance to really go back and talk about the TV shows specifically that much because this is a movie show. So I do talk about the movies here and there, but I thought this would be a good opportunity to talk some of the TV shows. So you've been doing your homework, Andrew. So you've seen pretty much all the Marvel stuff. Um, do you want to kind of walk through quickly what you've been tuning into on Disney plus? Yeah. So, uh, I think, um, where we sort of left off was, um, moon Knight uh, was going to be starting. So uh, I tuned into that. That was uh, an interesting show. <laughs> um, and then, uh, the, the Groot miniseries there, the, of the shorts, uh, that sort of all the, that, um, which was, uh, some good comic relief. And then uh, most recently, She-Hulk, which is actually in the middle of, uh, as of this taping, taping, I think there's been four episodes yeah. released, so, uh, of a nine episodes, which is nice. I've really not been liking the six-episode format, so it's nice to get a couple more episodes in there. Yeah, I actually agree with you on that. Like, the six episodes, I think, why not? Why wouldn't you just make it a movie at that point? Um, yeah. Like, most movies end up being six hours that you trim down anyway, so it's, it's very strange. Um, sometimes they do feel a little long, but yeah, though, I think those are the three that we'll kind of focus on a bit. Um, and then we might talk about what to expect from Marvel coming forward. Um, so why don't we just start with Moon Knight? Um, you said you thought it was a little strange. Why don't you go into some detail? Like, what'd you think about Moonlight? Yeah. Um, it, it, yeah, it was, it was pretty good. I didn't, uh, I didn't hate it, uh, but it definitely isn't uh, on the top, uh, five i would say even uh, at, at this point um i felt that i wasn't as connected with the show as some of the other ones that they've released um i also felt like i was thinking what the heck is going on a lot during it <laughs> it was um, weird it was a very strange like marvel show it was very yeah strange. like i would say of all of the ones that i wish had a longer run it was this one only because mm -hmm. i wish i understood what was going on a bit more uh because it really jumps uh, a lot, and that's sort of part of the the character, the uh, characters, I should say, that they they've set up uh, in uh, that Oscar Isaac played. So I kind of was like, "Whoa, like what, what's going on here?" But overall, it was it was really interesting. I I do like the the character of Moon Knight. I also like uh, um, the the split personality sort of aspect of uh, Oscar Isaac uh, character, where he plays Stephen Grant uh, and Mark Spector sort of at mm -hmm. the same time, and you. 
uh, you don't really get that uh, feel until, you know, maybe second episode or so of what's happening with that. Uh, but it was a really good performance by him having to play sort of two characters at the same time and then jump into the um, the hero aspect as well. So uh, of all the, uh, I guess if there's a positive to say of the show, I would definitely say that's probably it is his performance. Oh, he was fantastic. Like he's such a good actor and he clearly like played that part perfectly, the multiple personalities and everything. Um, but now because I we've talked about this particular individual, I've got to ask you what your thoughts were on Ethan Hawke, but also specifically the fact that Ethan Hawke said he would never do a Marvel movie and yet did a Marvel TV show. Yeah, I th- I think maybe that was like his little like uh, way to slip in there. Like, oh, I said I'd never do a movie, so I did a show instead. I, I don't know. Um, Andrew, we need to was- know... We need to know definitively, is Ethan Hawke a phony? <laughs> yes, he's a phony. <laughs> Give us your answer. Is he a phony? Um, maybe a little bit, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. Um, phony. <laughs> he also, yeah, he was a very strange uh, character. Um, and I, I kind of wish I would have got a bit more of him because, again, I didn't really get where he was going or he was coming from. And with all the flashbacks and flash forwards and sort of dipping into uh, the main character's psyche a little bit. Like, he kind of got a bunch of different versions of that character, um, which, you know, he did pretty good at playing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, I, again, I felt like I was like, I need more. I need to understand a yeah. little bit more. Like, I didn't I didn't know nothing about this uh, uh, character uh, going in Moon Knight. I really didn't. And I should have maybe done a little bit of research maybe before and during. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, overall, it was, it was fine. Um, I... I like I said, I just wish it was longer. Yeah, I, I just the thing about Ethan Hawke is I like I think he's fine. Like he's a fine actor, but I just don't think he's as good as his sort of persona that he likes to give. And then in this show, he says he's thing. an art actor, you know. Yes. He's an actor's yeah. actor. But I just don't think you can do that and say those things and then go and do one of these shows. Like it's just it's very weird. But I get what you're saying, and it's true. They just didn't really do much with that character. It didn't really explain much. And I don't think you should, even for a Marvel movie, have to do research to understand what's going on. Like, I think they should just do a better yeah. job of explaining it. So I get That's it. That's a good point. And this is one for sure that should have just been a, like a nine or 10 episode, like you would get out of Stranger Things or something. They clearly had a world to build. Why not take your time and build it? Um, as opposed to these six episode things, I don't really get them. Um, okay, cool. So that's that's Moon Knight. I think that that's pretty good. Like, g- give it a give it a rating if, if you can. I know it's hard with the see it stream it stuff, but but see it being the top, stream it being a middle one, maybe matinee it or binge it like on a weekend could be another one, and then skip it. Like, where would you put Moon Knight? Um, I would say maybe you know the matinee it. Um, yeah. I wouldn't say it's skip worthy. But it's definitely close, um, yeah. <laughs> especially if you're not as hardcore of a Marvel fan as, as I am or you are. Yeah. Um, because it, you will struggle through it if, if not. Yeah. Like Taylor, Oscar you, Isaac. You it. Yeah, Taylor. Would hate it. <laughs> Oscar Isaac saved that series. Like, uh, like I liked it yeah. because it was so unique, but also him. Like, he saved it for me. Yeah. Like, he made it Absolutely. more interesting. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Um, now, I'm very fascinated to hear your thoughts on, on I Am Group. Because I was very confused. These are like three minute episodes. I didn't even know this was a thing. Yeah, this is like really, like they just released it and it's just baby Groot in like three minute shorts. Right, Andrew? Like I watched a couple of them, but. Yeah, there's five total. I did watch all five. Um, And there are, yeah, about two to three minutes long. 
um, would remind you almost of like an an animated uh, YouTube short. (laughs) That's sort of like the the feel that I got from them. Or like the Um, DreamWorks, you know, like the short DreamWorks movies. Or I guess it's Pixar, like Pixar. Yeah, yeah, like kind of like the Marvel version of that. Yeah, Um, that's sort of the feel I got from it. And I'm not really sure why they decided to make this. Okay, so they don't explain it then, right? Because I saw the episode where he busts out of his, like, planter. And I saw the one where he's discovered by, like, the little alien people. And, like, I think I saw a third one. I think I saw three of the five. So you're telling me by the end they didn't, like, explain why they were doing there's that? there's really no story other than the the tiny little story they depict in each oh, episode. Okay. And um, the only thing I can think of is that it's just one of these things where Groot is a cute character, so it's let's throw the him in something for, for kids. the kids. Yeah. Um, no. Because it is very like there's not there's hardly any fighting. Like there's one episode where he uh, it's the first one where he takes his first walks. Uh, mm. Sorry, first steps. And uh, he fights a bonsai tree. So that's as much violence, I think, as they really get out of it. And the one that you watch, too, with the little people, they sh- fire lasers at him that do, like, nothing to him. Yeah. Um, so there's really not a whole lot going on as far as fighting. So I think that might be just sort of like the connection, like, hey, let's do a little something for the kids. Uh, they, they are funny. I will give them that. Like, I, I, I chuckled quite a few times uh, during them. Um, but as far as, like, putting it on the MCU, you know, sort of, huge uh, cinematic universe. I don't really understand why and kind of where it would land. Like, cause he's, he's a baby essentially like a toddler. So like, if this is even like before um, the last couple of uh, Avengers movies, because he was a, t- a teenager in those ones. Oh, so he doesn't even grow up in, in no. anything. It's just, oh, it's just okay. for franchising. Obviously yeah, yeah. it's a franchising well, for, gimmick for sure. And I think like what you're saying, Taylor for kids, yeah. Like, here's a bunch of little shorts you can throw on. I bet you a kid will watch it more than once. And oh, there yeah. you go. You've got five episodes of group, which they like, and there you go. So it's probably just not meant for, like, you or me, which is kind of what I, I thought there was going to be more to it, I guess, when I was watching them. And it's funny how you mentioned at the beginning, like, you, you kind of just threw it up there. The, I literally only heard about it on a promoted uh, uh, post on Instagram. That's the only yeah. promotion I saw at all of this anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> But it's an official Marvel studio thing. So I don't know. I just, I guess I just thought yeah. it would be connected, but more so. But okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> There's, I, I guess meant for children at the end of the day, right? Is that's what it, that's, kids will probably yeah. like. Yeah. I guess okay. that's the way to put it. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then what are you thinking? I'm really interested to hear your thoughts on She-Hulk because I don't think you and I have even talked much about this yet. What do you think of the first couple episodes of She-Hulk? Yeah, I, I think it's uh, it's it's been pretty good. Um, again, sort of a different uh, uh, way of, of presenting a story for Marvel mm-hmm. than they have mm-hmm. before. Um, two things that really stick out to me about it is the the sort of sitcom feel uh, yes. that it has. Basically, it's a sitcom with a laugh track, which is fine with me because I hate laugh track. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, it, it's uh, very funny and it's meant to be funny um, and. Uh, yeah, it's been it's been really good that way so far. And then the other thing that really sticks out with me is the fourth wall breaking. Um, mm-hmm. As Jen Walters, uh, typically as Jen Walters, a couple of times as She-Hulk, uh, breaks the fourth wall and talks to us as the, uh, the audience, uh, which I thought was really interesting, which is not something they've really done. Uh, they sort of kind of do it in, in um, um, Multiverse of Madness when... Uh, 
uh, the, the Scarlet Witch sort of looks at you <laughs> as the camera pans, which mm-hmm. is kind of freaky because that's sort of the sense that they're trying to do there. But yeah, it's not something they've really done before. So yeah, those are sort of the two things that really have stuck it to me so far um, that make this show sort of different from the others. And that's what I think people don't seem to kind of get is when things break genre, but to bring in another genre, it's actually a good thing because it's mm-hmm. expanding this universe to be able to do different things. Because I agree, to me, She-Hulk feels like a half-hour sitcom, but it's like a law procedural, but it's it's only half an hour. And it's meant to be funny about her life and her adjusting to this massive change that happens to her. And it instead of the massive change being a breakup or the, a death in a family, like you see to set up a lot of sitcoms, it is she becomes a Hulk. And like, that's the thing. So I, yeah. I, I think, I mean, there's obviously dumb reasons why people are being harsh on this show so far, but it's getting a lot of unnecessary hate because I think it's doing exactly what you're saying. It's, it's funny and it's a little different, but it's, to me, it's pulling it off because all the episodes I've seen, I've been super into and interested in what's going on. Yeah, 100%. I totally agree with you. And it's funny that you say that uh, it's getting hate and it, they almost anticipated it because mm. there's lots of little lines. Where she talks happen, about it. Yeah. Where like the last episode, for example, that just happened uh, last week, um, she makes a comment like, oh, uh, we'll have uh, Wong in this episode and they'll give us Twitter armor for the week. Yeah, yes. Like they know that they're going to get. Yeah. Yeah, because people love Wong and they know that they're going to get some some heat from it. Yeah. And uh, well, they, it got heat before it even came out. So that yeah. could have been stuff that they've wrote in, you know, when they were uh, being uh, made fun of because of the CGI, which again is getting flack. And I don't think it is as bad as people are letting on. It's just something that they can just tack on to, to yeah. trash the movie because that seems to be the end thing to do now. It's a TV show, and for a TV show, it's got pretty good CGI. It's not going to have the Marvel quality. No, it doesn't. And that's mm. just just accept it, right? Like, accept it's not going to be the same quality as you'd see on a on a two hundred you know million dollar movie in IMAX. It's going to be for your television. Um, yeah. So yeah, no, I I agree with you. I think that it's it's good. I I a hundred percent recommend the show. I think it's great. Um, the performances are really good. The cameos have been cool so far. And a show like this works for cameos because there's always going to be an interesting court case that you can do. And you can get into that side of it, right? 100%. Yeah, there's already been in quite a few. There's been a couple of new introductions, like uh, uh, this Madison character that they've mm-hmm. introduced the last episode is taking the internet by storm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yep. uh, they're even, uh, you know, put, making fan posters of having her own movie and stuff like that, which I thought was interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, that's the thing about fandom, Taylor. Because we talked about fandom recently and all the negative side. There's also all this positive stuff that happens, but it gets overshadowed. Because of the loud, loud negative people. Well, hello. I mean, I was very deep in the Fannibal fandom That's true. for Hannibal. So I yes, know- and that was positive. Yes, very good. Very good. And uh, we're still rooting for another yeah. season. Still so. rooting. Still, <laughs> still holding out hope. Um, okay, so we're, we've pretty much run out of time here, Andrew. I w- did just want to ask you, I didn't know if you had a chance to look at some of the future Marvel projects. I just wanted to know if there was anything you were really looking forward to either movie or television, you could branch out a bit. And just if there's anything that you're like, oh yeah, I'm actually excited to see this. Um, well, I'll, I, I won't go too much into them, but I'll say three because there's sure. D, D23, which was this weekend, really changed my opinions a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So I would say I'm really excited for Secret Invasion. Um, yeah. 
uh, I'm really excited um, for um, the Thunderbolts because I released the uh, cast of that and I the saw. characters. Yeah. So that's going to be a good one. It's going to be like a Marvel version of Suicide Squad, I think, by the looks of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know I said three, but I think I'm going to go with those two. Just those two. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think those are two I'm, I'm looking forward to. Like, I'm still I'm still looking forward to like the rest of She-Hulk. But in terms of those those kind of movies, yeah, that's some of the stuff that from from D23 that uh, stuck out to me as well. Um, thank you so much, Andrew, for, for doing this. And for coming on the show to, to celebrate our, our big anniversary, I'm so glad that we can talk Marvel. Uh, every chance we get, we got to keep reminding people of the Marvel Cinematic Universe because there's a lot of fans like you and me out there who still love what they're doing. So thanks for coming on. Oh, thanks, thanks for having you. me. It was a lot of fun. Well, uh, the long road ends right here. This is the final segment uh, before we say goodbye of this episode that will be over three hours long. Um, Tyler, welcome back. Thank you for coming back. Of course, anytime. Um, so you've got uh, something that our producer Austin has prepared. So why don't you uh, introduce that once again to our audience here just to remind everybody what we're doing. Yeah, so this is called, as I, and I quote, the big fat quiz of screening in Kingston. So as I said <laughs> oh, before. <laughs> there's a British game show that's called the is, big fat it quiz. It is, it is, a nice okay, reference. Okay. Very good, okay. So as I re- mentioned before, there are 20 like, uh, questions, and okay. the idea is to see if our two co-hosts working together can get a reasonable percentage of those correct. And they will be like receive the rating as like okay. at the end of it. Okay. Um, there is something oh. to be said that I do have two bonus questions, actually, oh. which are, do not as like, are not incorporated into the 20. So oh. it's like, so as in like, they are not part of the total, but they okay. will be added into the top. So let's say oh. that he's like, you only get, let's say five of the 20 correct. If you add, if you get these two bonus rights, that gets added to two more, but it's not out of 22. It's still out of 20. I like how your example was a really low number <laughs> that, that we could get. Some of these are really hard. Really? <laughs> oh, okay. yeah. But wait, but wait, Tyler. So it's all about the show. Oh, yeah. All of these are about screening in, screening in Kingston. Okay. I would not have been able to answer the vast majority of this. And I've listened to every episode since number two, I think. Okay. We're already, Tam- at, a, we're already at a disadvantage because we have to work together. But well, no, I was going to say that was wow. I was going to say it was an advantage, Taylor, because then we get to okay. Jeez, wow, <laughs> disadvantage to get to work together. I thought that's an advantage, but whatever. Just... I don't know. We have a. I often when we're trying to remember things, I think you remember. But we can use wrong. each other to like get whatever. Well, we're going to find out, I guess. <laughs> We'll All right, see, well, we'll let's do it. Let's dive. If there's 20 questions, let's dive into it, Tyler. So take us through this. Okay, so from this moment on, is like other is like other than otherwise stated, I will be speaking with Austin's like Austin's voice. So this is right. Austin's is like uh, questions as we go through. Okay, so question so number one. Blame Austin, not Tyler. Exactly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, question number one. Recently, our hosts have brought up the great Robin Williams. He has been discussed on the show many times. However, only one of his movies have ever been reviewed on the show. Name that movie. Oh, I remember the plot, but I don't know what it was <laughs> well, called. Okay, descri- describe the plot. Describe the plot. Maybe I can get. He the was like, um, uh, so the girl from that '70s show is also in it, uh-huh. and he thinks he's dying, and. He's so, and she's his doctor. And oh, she, um, the one that's set in New York. Yeah, I don't um, remember the name of it. Uh, Angriest Man in Brooklyn. That there is correct. Bing, 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 bing. See, look, Taylor, <laughs> look how good we are together. <laughs> 
we're learning so much already, even after four years. I'm so happy we got the first one right. <laughs> that's that's all I wanted. <laughs> yeah, that does set a good uh, tone for the rest of it. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> okay, so the rating system for screening in Kingston is one of the trademarks of the podcast. We all wait in anticipation for a see it, stream it, or skip it, with also the addition of Airplane It and Matinee It. Of course, when Taylor decides she wants to stick to the ratings, that is. In our four years, each of our hosts have reviewed a total of 227 movies. That's wow. each. Whoa. So, how many of those were see-its per host? Oh, per host? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I'm going to allow that we're, we're looking for a plus or minus 10 type okay. thing. So, okay, if you can get within a, a range okay. of plus or minus 10, okay. I'll give it to you. So, you're so, saying how many total? As in, how many see-its did each of you give? Okay. Mike. Right. So, like, Mike has given... Blank and Taylor. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Okay. okay. And remembering and that you have 227 movies 227. each. Okay. So Taylor, I think it's pretty fair to, to start with somewhere around half would probably be CS. And then yeah. we could go down from there if we, we felt. But like, I was really going to lowball it. I was like okay. thinking like 50 40. <laughs> <laughs> 50. Okay. Well, what do you Maybe like, okay. 100. Maybe. Do you think maybe 100? Like in and around 100? I think you have probably given more than me. Yes, I would agree. I think you're a little harder on movies, and I see a lot of things. I 90, really, really 80. Love. 90, 80? Yeah. Okay, so eight, 80 for Taylor, but 90 for me. Is that what we're saying? Yeah. Okay, lock let's, so, okay, lock in answer. It, Taylor, 80. Mike, 90. Okay. So, Taylor, you have actually given CS to 101. Episodes, oh! Strangely enough. Wow. Um, <laughs> and, and Mike, you have given CS to... 89. So oh, actually so off by one. We got one, right? <laughs> 89. Wait, I've given 89 and she's given 101? Yep. Wow. wow. That know, was right? not where I thought that number was going to be. Now, it would be interesting to see how many skip-its you have versus stream-its. It's like, mm. like, I, I don't have that information with me. But as, as it stands, you got Mike's correct and Taylor's was further than the, the 10. So we'll give you 0.5 for that. Okay. 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 Whew. We're doing all right. Huh. That's fine. That's a math one, though. That's not fair. <laughs> All right. Once again, remember, reminding that Austin is, is like is the voice for this. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we get. We understand. <laughs> All right. Question number three. Tyler Vance is known for many things on this podcast. He's the Star Trek correspondent. He has his own movie genre, and he generously offers me his voice for fun games and segments. Who is the man behind the voice? Believe it or not, he has described his job on the podcast before. Something a little different each time, though. Hosts, please describe Tyler Vance's job. And for those of you who are a fan of Friends, it's like this is similar to the question where they are asked, "What is Chandler, uh, Chandler Bing's job?" And it does mess up the like the characters in Friends. So, what is Tyler Vance's job? Well, Tyler is a scientist. <laughs> you're a scientist, mm -hmm. and you do lab work. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> that's about all I remember you saying. I don't know if there's more to that. I mean, you get. Um, yeah. So what do you I'm think, not even Taylor? gonna. I'm not even gonna hazard. Uh, I guess you study stuff under a microscope. You study. You study. Yeah. Like you're. Or are you a <laughs> chemist? Wait. No. Is he a chemist? Does he do chemical things? Or because that would be biology under the microscope. Or is he more like in chemicals? This is the. But in. <laughs> He's a transponster. <laughs> <laughs> um. You. Yeah. Scientist go isn't with... good enough. Scientist. Well. Okay. Are you I gonna, say for how scientists, are you I will, give, I will give you, I, I, I will give you zero point two five for scientists. There is another point okay. seven okay, percent okay. for is like for uh, okay. for upper grabs. So we're gonna say scientist, but we're also gonna say you you do experiments in a lab, 
And I'm going to say it's something to do with, with, with more like chemistry and like chemicals and elements more I so than it, it was, is biology. I thought it was medical stuff, but that I might be conflating Tyler with an old friend. I don't think Tyler has ever mentioned anything medical on, on this show ever. <laughs> like, <clears throat> like he's not, dis- you don't study diseases, Tyler? <laughs> you study diseases? You don't study diseases. I don't know. Is that your final answer? <laughs> so no, we'll go with, with Mike. Mike yeah, feels go. more okay. confident. Mike uh, feels more yes. confident. You are a scientist who does uh, laboratory experiments and you work with like more chemistry side of things. Mm. Okay. Chemistry. So what t- is like Tyler Vance's job, which is like Austin did not give me the answer for because I assumed he was going, to, I was going to provide the answer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. That's so I am, I am indeed a scientist. I am actually specifically a biochemist. Um, like which so chemistry yes um and i actually like uh, do study a series of different biological systems using chemistry uh, chemistry including uh gamete fusion as well as viral entry so yeah. so that's that, basically what i said you, you were actually <laughs> both like it's like together you were both correct in the way that okay. i use chemistry is like and i also study diseases uh, oh bing 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 Specifically, uh, it's like HIV and other such things. So, okay, I was we right. want points for that. We want some points. You, for that. I will. It's like you know, despite the fact that you that you struck the disease portion from the official record, I will give you one whole point for that because that was quite impressive. Okay. I know you described it in chunks, so I knew we probably did have like your job in there somewhere. So there you go. I think it's been in bits and pieces, as uh, as Austin said. Is I don't think I ever have sat down and said like, okay, y'all, this is exactly mm-hmm. what I the do. The HIV, yeah, yeah. the HIV is new. The I HIV don't... is new. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So question number four: Did you know that Mike has a background in theater? I sure didn't. Every so often, we find out the name of a few plays he directed that became movies. How many movies that are based on plays has Mike directed and then reviewed on the show? Hmm. Mike, you would have to answer that one. Well, Into the Woods would be one. Uh, That one with the kids you just reviewed. That would be two. Tick, Tick, Boom. Three. Three. Um, We've talked about Heather's, but I don't know if you... I didn't direct Heather's when we did it, no. Okay. Um, Matt did. Um, <laughs> we've Because we've also... Hmm. I mean, I think we've talked about other ones. I'm just trying to think of fish, like, which ones to that review. you also and reviewed. I, I know we reviewed Into the Woods, because I remember reviewing Into the Woods. And, and I know Tick, Tick, Boom. And yeah, it was yes, a terrible movie. Yeah. Terrible. So... Like, is it, but I, I, now I'm thinking three is too low because was Into the Woods really the first time? Like, I feel like it, it came up before that, but what? Okay. We I'm haven't go with, reviewed a lot of musicals. That's true. Try to stay I, I think by design. <laughs> yeah. Should we go with three? Let's go with three because three Wait, is what you, I can remember. Have you done Mamma Mia, have you? Oh, no. Okay. Then three. Three. The answer is three. And it is yeah. indeed Tick, Boom, Into the Woods, and 13. Those are the ones. There you go. <laughs> oh, we're killing this. <laughs> All right. So it's like um, number question number five says, let's give our hosts a break and give them a few questions they should definitely know from the show's first few days. These will be the ones we get wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and this one is, who was the first guest to appear on the podcast? Wendy. Wendy. Yeah. Correct. Like, correct. Question six follows a similar trend of who was the first guest host to help as a uh, host the show when one of the two regular hosts was not available. Either Ben or or Andrew, because it would have been. I don't remember which one came first. Yeah, either Ben or Andrew. 
Probably, I'm going to go with Andrew because, like, like, yeah, because I've known Andrew for so long. He was probably the first guest host. Andrew. The, like, the answer is actually Wendy again because, like, in the, one of, <laughs> what? The, one of the, it's like in one of the early episodes, Taylor was like absent. It's like, and Wendy came on the show. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. Okay. They didn't know that. Sorry, Wendy. <laughs> I wasn't even thinking about. Yeah. Sorry, Wendy. I didn't even thinking. I I knew first guest, but I didn't know. Okay. There you go. Um, question number seven is like this one says that it is one more easy one for the hosts. Okay. What ratings has Taylor invented on this show? Name as many as you can. Okay, well, airplane it obviously. Yep. Matinee. Mm-hmm. Matinee. Yeah. Uh, matinee. Sunday afternoon on the TV channel, on the like the movie channel on TV. Um. <laughs> oh, oh, my favorite that I still remember is I don't know the exact words, but it was like maybe see it if you want to. I don't care. Yeah, <laughs> it was yeah. one of my favorite ones. All, often, like a, a combination of like, see it with your girlfriends, see it with your buddies. Like, oh yeah, you used to say that. A lot. You used to say like, yeah, see it, see it with your girlfriends, like girls' night out type of yeah, thing. Yeah, girls' night out movie. Those are the um, only ones I can think of. I don't know whether see ones you it said like that. only at Halloween or like weather dependent. I don't remember that. Uh, <laughs> weather dependent. Yeah, like oh, it's a it's a winter movie, so don't watch this in the <laughs> summer. Has a lot of these. Jeez. <laughs> I would say like six. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it was like uh, we have five written down here. So I think it's like there were so many. Um, my favorite one that I still remember was for Midsommar, and it was see it, I guess, but know that I hated it. Um, which, <laughs> which remains my favorite one of the bunch. <laughs> That's good. Well, that's really funny. <laughs> what are the other ones, Tyler? Uh, other ones include, I don't know. Um, it's like, uh, maybe, but really don't see it. I don't know. See it, I guess. And then airplane it and matinee maybe. <laughs> <laughs> matinee maybe. That's funny. Oh, that's that's good. Funny. That's yeah. good. Okay. Question number eight. Recently, we found out the memories of one or both of our hosts for what happened in the last big celebration episode are not so good. The Screening in Kingston award show was not the 100th episode as recently what? claimed by our hosts. So, what actually did happen in the 100th episode? What? <laughs> maybe I thought it we was. Didn't, maybe we didn't no. do anything for the 100th episode. Oh, you did. We must have did. Oh, we did. Okay, so this we is did. like a <laughs> special topic or something? Yep. Okay, because if it's not the Screening Kingston Award show, then I don't know what we did for the 100th episode. Taylor, do you even remember? Like, I don't... What year would that have been? <laughs> what, what year is what it? Year? <laughs> like, two years ago? I don't know, 100, been, I 100 episodes, 100 like, weeks ago. Whenever like that was. Two years ago, I guess. I don't yeah, know. During the pandemic, so, right? Somewhere in 2020, I would imagine. Maybe near the end of it. Near, okay, so we're in the pandemic. It wasn't... <laughs> Like a movie club? I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah, I got it. Honestly, I could have sworn. Pass. I don't was, know. I can't. No answer. We don't know. It. It. The answer was that you went through the IMDb top 100 movies list. I don't remember doing that. <laughs> That's how you know it was early in the pandemic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, none of us were we really paying attention to what We just sat there and read the list? No, that... you went through and discussed kind of oh, like what, what movies you thought would be in there, an, which movies should have been. An hour of us reading 100 movies. <laughs> I, vaguely, I vaguely remember that. But that's how you know it was in the pandemic. Okay, well, there you go. Well, I didn't get that one. <laughs> All right, well, 
Nezzy, question number nine. In the second year of screening in Kingston, we met Nicole, who was a big fan of the Toronto International Film Festival. In that review, she mentioned a movie that would be reviewed by hosts a few episodes later, marking it the first time that a TIFF preview actually turned into a review. What was that movie? And note, Nicole didn't necessarily review this movie. She just mentioned it at the TIFF oh, preview. Oh, okay. 2020. That's so it's not so Titan, because that was last no, year. No, because that was last year. What were um, what were the crazy movies that came out the year before? It wouldn't have been the favorites, would it have been? No, because that was the that was twenty nineteen. I'm gonna have to pass on this one too. I don't know. Well, I'm gonna okay. Hold on. So one of us reviewed it later, and it was a tiff. A couple thing. weeks later, apparently. A couple weeks later, and it, so it probably was an Oscar movie for that year, or at least up for it. Like if we went to see it, we probably were somewhat interested. So this is this would have been 2018. Oh yeah, what about that movie you saw, Taylor? That 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 was all black and white. That had great cinematography. Oh, um, Cold War. Yeah, Cold War. What about that one? Okay, yeah, let's look. Okay, Cold, Cold War. War. Yeah. All right. So the answer is actually The Lighthouse. Um, oh, what? Like, that, that came out in 2019. <laughs> also black and white. <laughs> I, was, I thought you guys had it when you were like, "Oh, what yeah. was that black and white movie with yeah. the cool cinematography?" <laughs> I'm like, "Oh, the light. They're gonna get it. It's like Cold War." But oh, oh. <laughs> oh no, you missed. You missed by a year. Okay, you missed Never by mind. A... <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, you win some, you lose some. Yeah, you win yeah. some, you lose some. And let's see if we'll win question ten. Um, how can we not have a Star Trek episode? How many Star Trek episodes of the podcast have there been so far? Excluding this one, I imagine. Um, oh, jeez. Mike, you would have to <laughs> well, count. Because I'm often, I've only been on for one. Okay, yeah. So we've done the one with Taylor. We've talked about the original series. We did a season one chat of, of like early episodes for next generation doesn't count about that director who came on and i and we slammed his cousin <laughs> we I slammed don't no i don't think that counts. um and, and it wasn't really a we slammed it was you brought up the fact that my <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah it was it was yeah it was more so you throwing me under the bus for my comments about his friend's show um i'm gonna go with six six all right, we actually have eight, surprisingly oh, enough. Okay, yeah, it's like we, eight. Like, I, that surprised me too. I was like, yeah. really? We've done eight. People oh, you know what I didn't do? We did like a couple double episodes. We did yes. like two, and then we did the social one, and we did like two original series. Yeah, okay. Mike, we flew too close to the sun. We were doing Yeah, now really we, we haven't had a question. Now. Yeah, no, we haven't had a question right in a while. This is getting bad. <laughs> okay, next one. <laughs> All right. We were without Taylor for a few episodes of Screening in Kingston over the past four years. However, it is very rare that Mike is not in an episode. How many episodes have not featured Mike? Zero. I can't do the show without him. I don't yeah, know how to you work. Have. <laughs> oh, so there oh, is a there, have. <laughs> there have. There's been a, okay. How could I, can I have think recorded of the show without you? I can think of one. I can remember one, but I can't remember if there were any more. But I can remember one and how. Okay, we did it. so one, one. So a, well, let's go with one. All right. The answer is actually two. But okay. I it was like, but I think they were both through using a similar methodology that I believe is like we had. Um, it's like was it Matt that came on? Like yeah, the, the one I was thinking of. We had Matt and Taylor did uh, an episode for me, uh, and I remember that one quite vividly because I was there doing tech. I just wasn't. Um, but I don't remember how, I don't remember a second one, but there you go. That must've been when we were still in person. Yeah. That would have been at CFRC. Yes. Cause that would be the way you would do. You would be able to record without me is because you could go to the studio. Right. Yeah. All right. Question 12. 
Still back in the early days, Screening and Kingston often had episodes recorded live on CFRC, and the live recording was turned into the podcast. How many episodes were recorded live? Three. These are impossible questions. Three. We, <laughs> Three. Switched, we switched really soon, Mike. Uh, see, I remember being at CFRC longer than three. No, but he said live. No, I know, but I, I remember doing more live episodes than that. Because we recorded at the studio, but they weren't live episodes. I know, but I've done more than three not with, like without you. So oh. that's why I'm thinking like we're, maybe you've only done a handful, but I know I've done more than three without you. So in order to help you out, I'll say that say, I'm going to give you a range of plus or minus five. Okay. So Taylor, knowing Tyler so far, that makes me think it's a pretty big number. Ten. If he's giving us ten. You gonna go with 10? 10. Lock it in. 20, 25. <laughs> no! <laughs> oh my God. Earphones off. But that's not fair. We never disclosed to our audience when we stopped going live. Um, well, no, Tyler actually, we made, a, we made a real big deal about that, actually. Oh. Because <laughs> we had less technical errors. Yeah, because we had less technical errors. And I'm pretty sure, actually, Taylor, you're the one who brought it up. If I remember correctly, the first episode that we didn't do live when we were going to consistently not do live, you said something to the effect of, oh, we're, we can't make too many mistakes because we can edit it out. And I said, you mean me? Like, I can edit it out. <laughs> <laughs> that's not a wee thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, I remember that conversation. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> All right. Question number 13. You can't swear on Screening in Kingston. We know this. We love this. Though Mike does seem to do a good job of editing out it's like the few moments that it actually shouldn't make it to air, he does actually miss a few swear words here and there. How many times has a swear word made it onto the show? And I will give you a, a range of plus or minus one. Five times. Five times, yeah, that sounds right. Five. Three. You just How are we it. always outside of the plus or minus? <laughs> <laughs> the real okay, question keep... is who's who's uh, who's responsible for those swears? <laughs> yeah, that that's a good question. I would, Taylor I would, or Nicole? I have some guesses. Taylor and Nicole. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm sure it's got to be the guest host. I know that I slipped up at one point, but I think that one got edited out. <laughs> yeah, and Matt slipped up a few times. Yeah, it yep. happens. All right, question number 14. It's been long since the last snarky email came in. Name a person who has written a snarky email. Uh, email, just one. We just have to name a person? Yep. Oh, fan of the show. From He hasn't written it in a long time. Um, Were his emails snarky? You mean Chris, right? You're yeah, Chris, yeah, Chris has written a snarky email. Hmm. Yeah, I guess uh, we can go with Chris. I, I just never considered his email snarky. And the woman who called me um, bubbly, but I don't remember her name. I want to say I don't like remember Brittany. her name either. <laughs> just, I'm just going to sign uh, her a name. <laughs> yeah, I can't, I can't think of one. I think Chris. All right, let's go with because Chris. Because a lot of them are anonymous. Okay, yeah, let's go with Chris. Yeah, so we, we don't have Chris as the list here. I would allow it, though. But we do have Lori, Carly, Nicole, not friend of Taylor, Curtis, and Ian, apparently, have all written in with snarky emails in the past. <laughs> I think Carly was the one who called you bubbly. Yeah. No. Yeah, okay. I can't remember who it was that said that you weren't that you weren't quite her tempo, but that was... Yeah, someone did like, say that. Because I didn't like Disney. Didn't, Something like you're that, not, yeah. You're not her tempo. That was a good one, too. <laughs> 
All right. I will count that one because I do remember Chris at one point writing in something that resembled Thank a little you. bit of a snarky email. Okay. All right. The haters have been weeded out over four years. <laughs> yeah, they just stopped writing in. All right. Question number 15. Oh, how some moments really get the uh, fans to come to the show. The People versus Mike about Ryan Gosling, for example. Um, but he has been in a, mo- in a movie that has received positive thoughts from both of our hosts, even though they haven't formally reviewed it. Name that movie. Oh, The Nice Guys. Yeah. That's easy, because that's the yeah. only Ryan Gosling movie we've both spoken positive about. That is it's the answer, be. yes. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Got it. <laughs> Woo! All right, number 16. We all know about Taylor's crush on Mr. Skarsgård. She used to bring it up quite a bit, actually. She did. Yeah. Then I got married. <laughs> then I got married and had to stop it. Went a little bit. <laughs> okay, but can you name one star that Mike has admitted on air to having a crush on? And yes, there has only been one. Uh, probably the same girl that everyone has a crush on. Uh, what's her name? Not Audrey Plaza. Although she does seem to be popular amongst the boys. Mike, can you think? Uh, I don't know what direction you were going in. Um, I don't remember admitting to a celebrity crush. Um, so that's, I know who it isn't. Like someone popped in my head and I know it's definitely not her. Um, because I definitely haven't brought that up. Um, so I don't know who you were thinking about, Taylor. Zoe so. Deschanel, like those those so girls, Deschanel. those girl, those no. girls that like you ask any boy and they're like they immediately mm. are like that girl. No, no, I don't, I don't, no, no. Zoe Deschanel's not my type. No, no, no. not um, Lily Collins. Not um, no, no. I don't know. I can't. Mike's very tight. Again, I know who it isn't. I know who it isn't. So I know it can't be this person, but it's the only one I can think of. But I know it can't be. It's possible so, that it might have been a past crush, as in like, of, of days gone by. Animated or real? Animated. <laughs> it's real. <laughs> Thank you. People's first crushes are like the animated oh, fox. Wait, from... wait, wait. Um, uh, Sarah Michelle Geller. That is Buffy. correct. Yeah. There, there you go. Woo-hoo. Because <laughs> you said past, I went okay. Got to go back. Got to go back. I don't remember ever saying that on the show, but okay. <laughs> All right. So here's another question: What was the first movie each of you reviewed? And it was a different movie for each host. Mine was Mandy. Uh, mine was Searching. Both correct. Yes. I do remember that because I was very happy that I had just seen Mandy in the screening room and I was desperate to find someone to talk to about it and there was no one to talk to about it. So it was like, oh, there's a screen, there's a podcast that's on. I'm like, yes, I need this. <laughs> yeah. And I think I gave it a see out. You did. All right. Question 18. Themed episodes have also become a staple of the show. What was the first themed episode ever done on this podcast? Probably Halloween. It's got to be a Halloween one. Like it has to be. I think because... we've done Halloween every year. Every year, yeah. And that would have been the first major holiday. Yeah, correct. But do you remember what the Halloween episode's kind of general premise was? Haunted houses. No, that was year two. <laughs> I did, I did. We never review, reviewed Haunted Houses. I reviewed, um, like, movies that were set in, like, haunted houses, I'm pretty sure. I, wow, I don't remember that. Um, no. Oh, like a sub theme within Halloween. I don't it was know. it was a lot less nebulous than like than oh, that. <laughs> it's more specific. Yeah. Okay, must have been a favorite a, Halloween a list, movies. Taylor. Yeah, like our like our favorite Halloween movies. Yep, top ten Halloween movies. Yeah. Okay. We, that we get that point. That counts. That's yeah, that counts. Point. That counts. Yeah. Yes. 
Okay, question 19. The awards for movies are weird. We all know it. But Screening in Kingston loves talking awards. What was the first awards show episode? Oh, well, that would have been the Oscars. Globes. Oh, Golden Globes. Like, oh, right. The... They would have been before the Oscars. Yeah, whatever's right? right before the Oscars, we would have. Because this is a trick question. They want us to say Oscars. Oh, this is a I'm... trick. Oh, Taylor's it's got It's Golden Globes. I'm okay, pretty sure. It would have been for the 2019 one. Because it would have been like that year. 2019's Golden Globes. We didn't start the show in 2019. No, we started it in 2018, but the show was always called 2019 whatever. Like the year the show exists and I'm pretty sure it's like that that's its title. Okay. I'll take your word for it. What? I'd say probably have to be specific. He made us go down to the subgenre of our first Halloween episode. That wasn't a significant <laughs> answer. So I'm just assuming that we have to give the year. The Golden Globes, we probably like just reviewed the the like show. We can see the cracks beginning to form as so we're, we're getting close to the <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we're Now we're like biting each other. We're, agi- we're agitated. <laughs> is that your final answer? Yes. Lock it, in. it is correct. Yep. Golden Globes 2019 is indeed the final answer. There we go. There we go. All right. Question 20, the last before we hit the bonus questions. Let's end on a note about animation. What was the first full episode dedicated to animation? And if you were paying attention during, it's like my most recent it was like opinion, uh, appearance on the show, you might know the answer to this question. <laughs> we didn't Silence. even remember. We didn't even remember we had a first animation oh. show until you came on the show to talk about it. I also didn't even remember that we already just had this conversation a couple weeks ago, <laughs> and I'm still not sure what it is. Why would we have a separate... I mean, obviously, we did have another animation episode, but, like, I don't know. I don't know. What What would we have talked about? Like, what... what like, did something... Something must have come out then. Non-Disney movies? Yeah, was it just Disney was movies it a to themed, appease someone who yelled was at us? Was it a themed episode? It was, like, the... Is like the theme was animation, but there was a specific reason why you were talking about it. Favorite childhood animation. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Childhood animation. Uh, yeah. So it was is like that, but there was also, is it was attached to a specific reason why you were talking about it on that week. <laughs> Disney <laughs> And we got to give you this reason. You, you got, it's like, I, I am bound by what's written before me. It's like, I, I am but a humble vessel for the brilliance we were, that is Austin. <laughs> we were bashing Disney live action remakes. Yeah. So live action must movie must have come out. Like, that's what it was. We were reviewing a live action. Maybe maybe uh, Beauty and the Beast. Beauty and the Beast. Let's go with that. It was actually talking Toy Story movies because Toy Story 4 had just come out. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay, so now now we got bonus questions to try to gain some percentage, right? Is that yeah. what you're saying? So now okay. you got two bonus questions to try Let's and gain some percentage. Okay. So... It's like, and because it's like of uh, it's like Austin and I are the it's like the dynamic duo in this one. They are Austin and Tyler themed. Okay. Um, so, bonus question number one: What was the first episode of Screening in Kingston to feature an Austin-made game, and what was that game? And I will be generous with this. It's like in terms of if you can remember the game, if you can remember why it was connected to a certain episode, or if you can give me a like at least half a year is like in terms of the as like when the uh, the uh, the podcast has been on for. Was it because um, Austin won the Oscar pool that year, and we were going to let him produce the episode, and so he chose to do a game instead? So that did happen, but he had been is like uh, sending in games before that as well. 
He didn't. Oh, you did, Tyler, you did the bingo card, right? I did. Yeah. <laughs> I, my apologies to all. <laughs> that would have been the bingo card was way after. Okay, so uh, you're telling me before think, he won the Oscars, I think it might have been a pool. fan casting. That sounds familiar. He he because he would have wrote in fan castings for sure. So we must have been casting something. And we said it was a lot of fun. <laughs> his games are always fun. Uh, but what I feel really be, bad because this is his game and I can't remember. What, what would he the be first in connection was. to though? I think it's a fan casting, but I just or Mike was it one of those games where you had to describe something to me and I had to guess the character or like the franchise? We definitely did that too. He definitely because I remember being in CFRC and having those and and having you guess them. Okay, I'm gonna lock. I think that was the game. Okay, so okay, it's describing. Yeah, I was describing a character. Or like a premise. A premise. And I think it was in connection to Marvel. Okay. Locked in. Locked in. So the episode was actually episode 39. And it was Rocket Man way back in June of 2019. And the game was actually to allow the host to cast each other in biopics about themselves. So you were looking to cast your co-host. And I believe this is where the famous phrase... Skinny Jonah Hill or Fat, or Matt, fat Damon. Matt Damon. Or Fat Matt Damon. I remember that. Yes, Skinny Jonah Hill or Fat Matt Damon. That was me. I, yes, Taylor cast either Skinny Jonah Hill or Fat Matt Damon to play me. Yes, that was, yes. Oh, I remember this. And I, you were very generous. It was like Florence Pugh. Florence Pugh, me. yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, I remember this. Yes, that's hilarious. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Austin, for that walk down yeah, that Yeah, yes, thank you, Austin. That's hilarious. Oh, wasn't it yeah. good? It was like, like, it's hard for me to imagine. That was so long ago, June 2019. <gasps> yeah. Episode 39. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And so bonus question number two is what episode marked the first time that Tyler Vance wrote into screening in Kingston? And once again, it's like, I'll give you a, um, let's say it's like, you can either try to guess for the episode like number of which okay. you'll have a, it's like plus or minus 10. Okay. It's like, or you can go for, it's like the month is like that it came in like month and year. And that'll be a plus or minus three. It was before he moved because Tyler came into the studio once. So it's yeah. got to be in that first couple of months. And if 2019 June was 39, mm-hmm. I want to say like, so he would have had to write in prior to him coming to the, to the studio. So I want to say he wrote early. in early. Yeah. Like I want to say like episode we're talking 10. episode 10. Let's go with episode 10. And let's say... We got to name like kind of a topic or like kind of. Do we have to? Is that part of the? It's like you can you can go for it if you like. He's like, uh, but like, I'm more interested in the yeah the episode number and oh, or the the, the date. Okay. Like, like, okay. Month. okay. Let's let's say episode ten because that would get us probably near the end of October. I'm going to say October episode ten. Let's lock that in. And what was the plus or minus I gave you? Ten. Ten. <laughs> we better like, be within it. Yeah. It's like so. The episode was episode seventeen. So indeed, you are ah, within the plus yeah. or minus ten. Woo! Yeah. It was for Bohemian Rhapsody and Green Book, and in it, I asked is like for the movies that define your cinematic sensibilities. It's like oh, in which you were, yeah. you're supposed to ask uh, ten different ones. I also at one point made a hot, offhanded comment and how I was offended that First Contact was your second favorite Star Trek movie, which led to me telling you what my favorite Star Trek movies were, which led to the eventual invite to come on to the show. Yeah, so right yes, there from even the beginning. It's right there from the beginning, Star Trek. 
was right there. Wow, that was that was great. Now, Tyler, do you need a second to tally us up, or have you been yes, doing it? Yes, I, okay. I have been doing it as you go. But as like, uh, if you wouldn't mind, just a quick second. Use yeah, you take a second. Chemistry brain. Yeah, I mean, Taylor. While we we kind of uh, review that, I'm wondering, you know, one, I I think we did okay, but I think you know, if we get over fifty percent, if that's where we're sitting, then to me, that's a big win. Agreed. Considering how many episodes we have, like, and that's you know, Mike, have. the journey itself—that's all—that's all that matters. You know. Yes, the, the journey and winning are the two <laughs> things that matter the most here. Um, but yes, I think, and I think Taylor, us working together on this wasn't as big of a disaster. As yeah, I think it worked think out. It was, right? I think it worked yes, out. Because that's the genius of Fat like, Matt Damon. Just... <laughs> is every once in a while he comes up with a good plan. The synergy, Mike. We just historically have not agreed on much. That's true. So that's, that's why the podcast is so good. Yeah. <laughs> and that's well, why this quiz was fun. Yes. Well, I do have the tabulations. And so out of the 20 questions, you got 12 correct plus one for the bonus, which means that you have a percentage of 65%. So you know Woo! your podcast around 65%. So much better than I thought we were going to do. <laughs> I think that's pretty good for four years of episodes. I think oh, yeah. we crushed it. I, I think that was excellent. Yeah. Um, wow. So number one, thank you, Austin, for, for coming up with that. Another great uh, game. A fantastic game. You're, you're always great at that. And thank you, Tyler, for, for lending your voice once again to, uh, to, to this. That was, that was really great. You, you did a great job. Thank you. Always yeah, a pleasure Austin, to have Austin. you. Well, Austin always does really great questions. And as I said, I am never smarter than when I am saying his things out loud. So that's good. <laughs> <laughs> um, so just, uh, we, this is the end of the episode. It's been a long one. Um, I know that we released a real long podcast, so hopefully people were listening and maybe pausing and coming back, but there's a lot of great things that we had in this episode. So thank you everyone for sticking around. I just have to go through a couple real quick thank yous, Taylor, before you do your sign off and we finish things here. Um, I've got to thank Wendy Hewitt and the staff at the screening room for all their support over the past couple of years, Dinah Jensen and the staff at CFRC. Our guests today, Nicole, Katie, Matt, Andrew, Ben, Josh, Austin, and of course, Tyler Vance, who's sitting here representing all of our, <laughs> all of our guests. Um, and thank you to all the fans who didn't, weren't part of the show, who couldn't be part of it or, or didn't want to or what have you, reached out to a couple people. You are the reason why this podcast works. Um, you are the reason why we do this and you write in weekly. Um, so, uh, Tyler, you're here to officially accept our thank you on behalf of all of our fans here. You're we welcome. love you. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then one last thing I have to say, um, this is to you, Taylor. I've got to say this to you. Um, so I've made a lot of terrible decisions in my life and about 12 good ones. Um, and one of those good decisions was asking the CFRC program manager to give me your contact information back four years ago when we both wanted to make a movie radio show. Um, so thank you, Taylor, for, for all of this and every, all the work you did, because I think without both of us here, like working off each other, I don't think this podcast would have worked for four years. So thank you for that. It's been awesome. I look forward to the next couple of years. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and we'll uh, see you next time. Go see some movies. Thank you for listening to the Screening in Kingston podcast, recorded at CFRC at Queen's University in Kingston, Ontario. Queen's University sits on the traditional lands of the Haudenosaunee and Anishabi peoples. 
we would like to thank the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences and the CFRC Podcast Network.